This is Matt Allison, author and artist of Kankor. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> I predict tonight's going to be a fun time. Well, we already uh, know because of the time we, machine. Dude, I, time machine. What's well, the time before time? I'm just saying. If they don't know how this thing works by now, I got nothing for it. Welcome to your first episode. <laughs> right. Mr. Jim Shooter. Hi. Let me explain it to you, Jim, how this thing works. <laughs> and I will do it. Here. I'll explain it to you every episode from now on. Wow. Hey, everybody. It's 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 735. And I'm Vince B. <laughs> Inside a bingo hall. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are, and I'm Wyatt Earp. No, you're not Wyatt Earp. Is, did someone disrespect your wife, Jason? I think so. I'll kick their so. asses. I know. Yeah, it sounds you like just I'm point me, shenanigans. Point me in a direction. I'm there. I know. Yeah, but anyway, you're not Wyatt Earp. You must have been watching that Deadwood stuff. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. I, I, yes. You're Jason Wood. That's right. That's true. Although you do yeah, have a filthy I, mouth at times. It's true. I, uh, I rewatched Deadwood for the third time this uh, past week. Because my uh, oldest son, who I fear is the culprit of said disrespect, <laughs> I'm gathering. Uh, oh no! He he watched Deadwood uh, for the first time, so I, I kind of uh, watched along with him so we could discuss. And uh, it was as wonderfully magical the third time as it was the first two times. And mm. dare I say, the <laughs> watching the movie, which came out uh, only for the second time, uh, w- like brought me to tears. It's, it's like a perfect finale to. The, to a series side. I still, so I still I, need to watch the movie. You haven't seen the movie? Not yet. Oh my god! What are you waiting for? Because I, wow! No, I want. I'm trying to. I, I want because I start, before we moved, I was watching. I I have the, the set of the Blu-ray, so I was finally going to watch the third season because I had lost. I got rid of HBO before the third season came out, so I never saw it. I even though I you know I heard about how lackluster it was, so I was never really concerned about it. So now. Um, I was going to just jump right into the third season, but I uh, to then get to the movie. But I had I had forgotten some of the things that happened from the middle to the second half of the second season. So I was like, "Fuck it, let me just I, I'm just gonna start over." So I, I haven't had a chance to start over yet, which means I haven't had a chance to get to the movie yet. But I don't want to watch the movie without watching the third season. And oh, I just, for sure. I just, well, yeah. I, okay. I would say that that I watching the third season as it was coming out, I was frustrated by it. But I think the frustration was more born out of us knowing what was going on behind the scenes and that it wasn't intended to be the original end. Yeah, yeah. But I have. But but upon rewatch, I think the third season is excellent. I, I don't. I think if you go, if you just treat it as as the art, and you don't think about the fact that we should have had more seasons because of the machinations that went on between Milch and HBO, I think it's excellent. And then the movie is like, the, I think the perfect cap because the movie takes place chronologically. Like the movie takes place that many years after the end of the series. Right. So it's, so it's, which is pretty neat. So nice. there you go. Hey, you know what? 
What? You don't have to pay a lot for your comics and graphic novels and, and other bric-a-brac that's in the previews catalog. You don't. All you have to do is go to Discount Comic Book Service. That's dcbservice.com, and you can get everything in that big honking catalog for less than the prices listed therein. How is that possible? Well, it's because of volume, right? DCBS, they get you your comics when you want them, how you want them, right to your door, such as there's three specials here from Vault Comics. This is a new series by Michael Morici with art by Nathan Gooden. It's about Owen the Barbarian and his anthropomorphic alcoholic Axe named Axe. How could you not buy this? $3.99 cover price, our price, $1.99. From Behemoth Comics, it's Motherfuckers, number one from Guillaume Renard, a.k.a. Run. Watch it on Netflix and then turn around and read the comic. I don't know how long this is uh, set to run, whether it's going to be a, a miniseries or an ongoing. I don't know. But uh, it's an oversized issue. Cover price five ninety nine. Ha, 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 you say, from the cheap seats. You are going to pay $3.29. And last but certainly not least... Keeping the fossil fuel theme alive, it's vinyl number one from the creators of Plastic. And that's Doug Wagner and Daniel Hilliard and color art by Dave Stewart. This is a miniseries. This is six issues. Uh, there's a death cult of all-female sunflower farmers. What? Um, I'm in. Three ninety nine cover price. Ha, ha, ha. Again with the giggles because you are going to get it for half of that. You're going to put the other two bucks back in your pocket and say, please give me this first issue for $2. DCBService.com. Just go. All right, I will. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to make it happen. That sounds good to me. Yes. I hope all of those things are on your list. Jason, I hope Barbaric's on your list. You need to start reading some Vault comics. Now you see, now you, now you put me on the spot. <laughs> exactly. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've already placed my order, and it was not on my order. I must oh, admit. my goodness. Mm. Well, I guess you're just going to have to listen to I Dap. I can go and I... edit my order. That's the great thing. You can edit your oh, order very right. easily. Yes, they do give you that option. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go in and edit my order right now. <laughs> I hope in like three months he's not like, you suck, man. Why didn't you tell me to put that shit out of my order? <laughs> hey, listen. It's no, it right looks now. great. It looks great. Okay. I wouldn't recommend it if I wasn't reasonably uh, confident in the uh, the aesthetic qualities of the book. Yeah, yeah I got to say, uh, Brian Newbery got everybody fired up about this uh, this year. Wicca book got us all up in it. Hell yeah, I'm slowly reading it. Yeah, I guess you had already you had already taken the dive, but uh, sure. For for the, the, those that are curious, what we're talking about, uh, if you are a patron, you can be a part of our Slack channel where we chat it up all day. And good friend of the show, Brian Newbery, posted in the Best Thing He's Read This Week channel a book called Wicca, but not like Wiccan. I guess to play on that, but it's W-I-K-A. Yes. And uh, he, he labeled it the best thing he's read this year. So it went strong to the whole and showed off a little a little something-something from the book. And it, uh, it, it got a lot of people's toes curled, my, myself included, so I ordered the book today. So I should have it in a few days. Looks great. Yeah, well, you you have no idea, my friend. <laughs> oh? Did, did you Google uh, any of the art? 
No, I just looked at the the the, the pages. He he. Okay. All right. Yeah. It is. It is ridiculous. I I I shudder to think um, the amount of hours that are in the visuals by uh, the draw. It yeah, it looks, just, it looks ridiculous. It is. it looks a lot like. Um, um, it reminded me a lot of um, monstrous. Hmm. Yeah, Sonic Takeda. I think that's a fair comparison. Yeah. All right. Nice. Yeah. But a little um, naughtier, though. Oh yes, yeah. There's nudity. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, if if you've ever indulged in um, psychedelic substances, never have. Okay. Well, they um, there's a clarifying and a a sharpening um, effect that that occurs where things are brighter and clearer and and in more focus. Uh, than I think we're used to. That's this entire book. <laughs> it it is like nice. yeah, it is like you are balls deep in the best um, substances you've you've ever ingested. <laughs> and it's wow. Oh yeah, it's cool. It's good. I think you'll like it a lot. Yeah. Can't wait. But Can't there wait. there there goes my in your travel. So I guess. Uh, oh no. Else? Oh no. I got something else. Yeah. Well, yeah. we don't want to bury the lead here. No. No. We, because uh, we, we have a guest tonight. We did. One of the best we guests. Do. Yeah. We do. The, we do. Uh, we have a guest that was akin to um, a very excitable pup who was let off the leash. And he just ran with it, which was great. Yeah. Much, much information. A torrent of information flowed from this man, and that's what you want. Well, that, I mean, speaking as as someone on the other side of this table, that is that's a gift from the 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 art gods. When you get somebody that's very very willing to talk about their work, not only willing but capable, because I think he's very well spoken, very articulate, and he just let loose with. Um, uh, just boatloads of of, of well conceived informative dialogue, and I loved it. That was great. It's, I no, learned it a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mind bomb. And someone we've known for literally longer than than uh, well, almost as long as he's been an American comic book creator, and not too much shorter than we've been doing the show. Right, and he's much more talkative um virtually than he is in person i think you only think that because when you see him generally it's him standing at a table after or, or in the midst of hours of people coming up and asking to sign stuff yeah that's that's fair yeah that's fair like we haven't had much occasion uh really ever as far as i can remember um uh, to socialize with him even though he is a very, like i know he goes out and has cocktails and but but i don't We've never had the occasion to partake in the same venues with him. It seems we just uh, so. I think if you were to see him in that light, he'd be quite gregarious. Yes, and he actually dropped a conceptual nugget that we will water for a bonus episode uh, coming later on in the uh, no early next week. Making moves, not faking moves. Yeah. So uh, yep. he's he inspired. He educated. Uh, he's Declan Shalvey. Indeed. You're going to hear him 
right now. So lean back, relax. It's, I think, around two hours of intense, mm -hmm. intense uh, revelations. So uh, enjoy, and then we'll be back to clean up. It's like and, a great shepherd's pie. Oh, I love shepherd's pie. And kiss you goodnight. Me too. All right. Well, as we as we alluded, we have a guest tonight, but it's not just any guest. It is someone that uh, you have heard us talk about like a thousand times over the years. But yet somehow, some way, um, we have never had this gentleman on the show before. I blame Vince. Of course. Um, but no, in all seriousness, uh, you guys don't need us to, to introduce this man's bona fides, but I will anyway. Um, he just celebrated his 10th anniversary at marvel uh in the summer of 2020 amidst the pandemic yay i'm sure there was huge party for that and given these circumstances um and uh he has really been i think uh especially over the last five or so years like emerged as one of the true renaissance men of comics um you know i don't know how we'll talk about it tonight how he managed uh, just being a pro artist as well as writing some amazing stories particularly in the crime genre, and then still finding time to do interiors on kick-ass books. Most recently, we all gushed about his Immortal Hulk flatline. So, of course, it is with great pleasure, finally, after 13 long years, we finally welcome to the show uh, our, our longtime comic friend, who, who we look seeing in person after not seeing him in 2020 for the first time in a long time, Mr. Declan Shalvey. Uh, that's me. <laughs> uh, no, th thanks, guys. I don't know why this never happened before. I, I think I do remember you asking once before, but at like, least once, just, yeah. I guess, I I, but I never. I don't think I've ever said like, you know, do you know who I am? <laughs> no, you know what, man? I, I, I put it on this because you know, as obviously you're in, you're in Ireland, so there's a time difference. And until the pandemic, you know, for the three of, for, for David Vince and I, we we all have day jobs, you know. So mm -hmm. it's just always like for our, in our mind, it's always like we record late at night because we would go to our jobs and come home and, and, you know, we wouldn't really have, like, we wouldn't feel we could ever, it was very hard for us to make an earlier show possible. Sure. But, you know, I guess in, in trying to find silver linings in a, in, in a difficult situation, the pandemic has allowed us to have some more flexibility because we, we do mm -hmm. all, well, at least for, for a big chunk of this, we've worked from home or have more flexibility in our commute. So it's uh, yeah. It's fine. I'm glad we could finally make it happen. But I, I definitely put the onus on us, not you. Because you've no, there's, on, so. there's. I think the only other creator to to my mind that I I I would love to chat with on the show, who's not in the states, who we always you know joke around at cons about the idea, is is Mahmoud. And oh, sure, yeah. so you know, he yeah, he's in Vienna, isn't he? So he's even, yeah, yeah. So he's probably it's, it's, a couple of hours ahead of me, I think. Yeah, geography. But let's it's, let's it's, call uh, him right uh, now. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's make it a four way, but uh, five way. But no, it's it's. I'm I'm glad we're finally able to find because I mean I miss I miss seeing you behind your table at a con. I miss I I I I miss maybe catching a glimpse of you all decked out in your next generation colors. And <laughs> I I just uh, th this is good. At least at least this is helping somewhat. Yeah, I, I guess. Uh... I, it's weird. It's weird to think it's been a year of like you know because I I was at a convention in Raleigh, I think it was, um, just like just as it was hitting, just like the story, COVID stories were starting to go around. So I was home 
like a few days before it all really kicked off. So like the last thing I really did was go to a convention. Uh, so it was a really weird thing that was like over a year ago. And I had told myself, like, Deck, you need to get a life. You can't just be working and going to conventions in the States. Um, it's fun, but it, you know, it's, it's not a real life. You know, take it easy at the conventions. Little did I know I'd be taking it very easy at the conventions. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is weird. It's like a weird. It, it, I don't know. It feels like so. It feels like so long, and it feels like not long at all. It's this weird limbo, I guess. But yeah, you, I mean, you, I mean, you had a good few cons. How many cons would you do in a in a in a year? Uh, we generally Usually do two. two. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, we, okay. we always do New York because it's the local show, and then we always we. We we generally do one other, which seems to rotate typically between C two E two in Chicago and Heroes in Charlotte. Um, this, it's weirdly, I, I kind of do the same. I would I would hit every New York, and right. then I would alternate. The, I'd do a second U.S. show, and I'd alternate it between different shows. So I kind of did something similar. I, if I'm not mistaken, because I was trying to think back on this, we met you when you were doing Twenty Eight Days Later, and if I recall correctly, didn't we meet you at Baltimore Comic Con? No, or I've never been York. there. Okay, so it was yeah. New York. I couldn't remember if it was one or the other because I've only been to Baltimore once. So okay, it, it might have been, it might have been Heroes though because I was I did um, I did Heroes in two thousand nine, two thousand nine, I think. Um, so it might have been that if you go to you went to Heroes a lot. No, I, we, I remember, we weren't there that early. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, it okay. must have been New York. But yeah, okay. But it's been it's been a minute. It's been a minute for sure. Sure has. Yeah. How are things in, in Ireland with with? Depend. I mean, you just mentioned before we started recording that you're still in lockdown. I, I, I uh, admittedly am not as keenly aware as how you guys are faring with it. Um, you know, we're in the position now where uh, vaccinations are really starting to pick up. Uh, all of, at least all of us on the show have have had at least one of our shots, uh, oh, if not great. both. So, how are you guys doing with it? Uh, uh, there's no sign of that happening for me. Um, my my grandmother's gotten vaccinated, so it's working in age. But like, where the rollout here is quite slow compared to. Um, America and uh, the UK, which is annoying. We're, we're side eyeing the UK at the moment by you and you're opening your pubs and he's done some good. But uh, yeah, I, I have no idea. I would maybe the end of the summer, but, but like there's no, I don't even know what an estimate for, for me. But I mean, I'm not going to complain at the same time. Like I'm, I'm lucky I've, I've had a job where I can keep working. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm, it's not a pressing matter that I get vaccinated uh, super fast. So, but I would like to, uh, you know, go to, go to the pub, really. Uh, I really want to go to the pub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, I've always considered myself a bit of an introvert. So when the, when the pandemic started, I thought, oh, this is great. You know, I don't, like, I, I can kind of just be at home and with my peoples. And, uh, do, you, do, you, do you still feel that way? Cause I think no, that's been... what I was saying. But, but, but as time has gone on, um, you begin to appreciate the, the, the times that you, the choice of the choice of having times, because I because I do very much. I mean, the thing the thing I probably missed the most this past year has been going to conventions or hanging out with these fools. You know, because yeah, we, if, you're, if you're an them. introvert, that's fine. Like, um, but like, it's you know, you have the choice. Uh, when right. you don't have the choice, all of a sudden it doesn't seem as appealing because it's enforced. You know, um, it's the same when I, I used to live in the country with my uh, when I was younger, and it's you know the countryside is is beautiful, but um, it's oppressive as hell if you don't have a car and you can't draw, you can't go anywhere and you can't do anything. All this lovely scenery is fine, but you're like, I need to get, I need to go. You know, I was going to say go need, I need to go to the pub again. I'm sound, I'm sounding like an alcoholic at this age, but um, <laughs> uh, but. That's it. It's, it's when something is not a choice is when it really, really gets to you. And um, and you know, I, I you know, I'm optimistic people are going to kind of come out of this with a whole new sense of appreciation for 
you know, looking people in the eye and, you know, because uh, even, I don't know, if, and like you guys have been doing this for years, so it's, it's, it's the same, but I don't know if you guys have conversations with friends on Zoom and things where it's, it feels, to me, it feels like um, polyfilla, you know, it, it, it kind of covers the cracks for now, but it's not quite the same as, you know, building a real, my metaphors are getting very uh, uh, impressive here, building a wall of friendship. Um, it's just not the same, you know, and I, I'm, I'm optimistic that like maybe we'll all be a bit more uh, appreciative the other end of this. Well, we can hope. Yeah. If, <laughs> if one thing comes out of this, I, I would hope that it would be to appreciate others uh, a lot more than uh, before the pandemic. Yeah. yeah here, here. Yeah. yeah. I hope the, uh, have you, I, I know that um, Reed has been, Reed actually made an announcement, I think today regarding, uh, the four conventions for for this year, at least, uh, have you have you thought about going to New York at all, or is it still just something that you know you're going no. to wait and see? Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's any. I mean, if I don't even know when I'm going to be vaccinated, I don't see why there's any point in making a plan for October. Well, October sense. seems very optimistic, I and mean, it would be different if it was in America. I wouldn't say the same for you guys, um, because you know you're all getting vaccinated. We. I, I have literally no idea when it happens. There, there, there's a show in the UK called Todd Bubble in November. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm, I'm yeah. eyeing that just, I mean, I would. I don't think I'd work at it. I think I would just go for the, the hangs, you know? Yeah. Because um, that's not too hard. That's like an hour flight, so I can pop over and back. Um, so I'm thinking that, but I think that might even be optimistic. I think I'm just going to have to write off the, the year because for all I know, I get vaccinated in uh, October and it's not enough time to, to you know, be able to leave the country leaving the country just seems weird to me I, I and even if that. yeah because even right. if you were vaccinated within the next couple of months there's st- you don't know about anybody else on the flight with you about you know so it's just i i i definitely i mean yeah it'll, it'll it'll suck not seeing you but i i can appreciate yeah i mean it'll, your, your, your outlook on this yeah, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't i haven't missed a new york show in 10 11 years or whatever it is uh, i've gone to every single one um but uh I so it'll be very very strange, and I I'd love to go to New York, but um, uh, you know, as a mental exercise, I'd love to do it, but I think of the practicalities, and I just yeah. just don't see that. Mm-hmm. Plus, I've got a bit, I'm kind of booked up for the rest of the year anyway, so I, I don't think it'll be any harm to um, maybe, you know, carve out a little bit of a life for myself before mm-hmm. I start taking on cons again. But, you know, rather than jumping jumping right back into it. No, I understand. Better safe than sorry. Sure. For sure. So, and the, the timing of our chat lines up well because um, since you've never been on before, I hope we have the, the, the time and space to talk about lots of stuff. But obviously, um, you've got a, a new book looming, and we were uh, we were we had the great privilege of getting to read the first three issues of it already. Um, oh, definitely. So, yeah, so uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, but time before time, your uh, your new series with co-writer Rory McConville with uh, Joe Palmer on art, Chris O'Halloran on colors, and I'm probably going to get this name wrong, so you can correct me, but uh, Hassan Otmane Elhu, is that right? I think it's Elhu. Elhu, uh, okay. Hassan Otmane Elhu. I'm not 100% okay. sure. I'm just sure. impressed I'm able to spell his name every time now. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, on letters. <laughs> but um, it's, it's a pain in the arse, because like, his name takes up so much space on covers. <laughs> uh, I think he I think he likes it that way. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you know Hass's work. He... Um, he he does a he does a an online a web an online uh, magazine called um, 
panel by panel, and he has uh, this oh, um, uh, YouTube show called Strip Panel Naked. Um, uh, I'd say you'd be into it, like, um, but it's all about kind of like you know the process behind making comics and stuff like that. Awesome. And um, he's, he's great, and a great letterer too. So it's it's nice to to work with him on something. But um, but uh, yeah, I'm just like like I remember at first going, I'm never going to no, like that that spelling his name is going to be hard, and now I got it down to a T. I'm very proud of myself. Since since we're but before we get into the book itself, since we're on the credits page, um, I was pleasantly surprised to see Heather Antos as as your editor. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how much work she's done editing image books before. I know. I know she's been with Valiant. Obviously, she's been with Marvel. She she's she just. Um, I think she just signed up with. Uh, she just. She's now going to be working for IDW. But um, uh, how how did that come about? Um, well, actually, Heather's. I've been working with Heather for a long time now. Um, I was at a convention, New York Comic Con, and this this young lady came up to me and she said uh she she said she wanted to be an editor uh and or no sorry she wanted to make comics i was like oh really what do you want to do and she said she wanted to be an editor uh, but that's not normally what you hear you normally hear artists or writer and i was like oh okay that's you know that's that's original um you know what do you want to do and she actually had some comics she did um at the time some indie stuff and i looked at it and i was like well this doesn't look very good like the you know, it's an indie comic. I would have a lot of critiques, but it's uh, it's well packaged. It looks like it's it's put together very well, which I assume is what you know you you were doing. Uh, and I was impressed. And it was a crime comic. And I recommended her some some writers I knew that were good that did crime comics. And um, that was it. It was a really, you know nice uh, interaction at a convention. Cut to three weeks late. No, three months later, she offered me like a dare a, a Deadpool cover. <laughs> she was she was assistant <laughs> at Marvel and. Um, uh, and me, me and her got on great because it was kind of her job to, she was, she, assistant editors tend to like um, take care of a lot of the, you know, he, heavier work that editors need to take care of. And they would, be, they would get to do outside covers and stuff. So she, I don't I think she remembered I was nice to her at a convention. So um, <laughs> uh, gave me some charity covers or something. But, um, but yeah, so we ended up doing a lot of covers together. And then um, when I was, uh, she was actually the editor that offered me, um, Deadpool versus Old Man Logan. Um, it was to write and draw originally, but I couldn't draw it. Uh, but I still ended up writing it and doing the covers for it. So, so Heather and I've been working for years. And then when I started doing creator on work, um, I basically, I basically, she's kind of like my, um, she's my editor full time, effectively. Where anything I'm working on, I run it by her, or she'll make a schedule for me. So, uh, she kind of helped us with the, the most recent arc of injection as well as regards scheduling. Um, okay. So, so she's actually, I've actually been working with her for a long time. So she edited Bog Bodies, the the book I brought it last year. Um, it's just slow going because anything creator owned tends to kind of like, you know, work along at the side. So, so weirdly, um, she was my boss. Now I'm her boss, um, and uh, and she and, and she was great as regards. The reason originally I was thinking of her is because she was great with schedules at Marvel. But when I when I did oh, um, Deadpool vs. Zone and Logan with her, I thought she was really good with story notes too. Um, and the nice thing working about creator owned is, you know, she can have notes and I can just ignore them. That's great. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but like Heather's really good to kind of help me. I think I kind of write with too much of a shorthand sometimes because maybe I'm thinking of what it looks like, and she kind of nails me down to to properly kind of flesh things out in the script. So um, 
So it's, it's great. It's been something to bounce things. I, I, I like having an editor to bounce things off of, be it work for hire or creator owned. And the cool thing with creator owned is, like I said, she can give me notes and like I can argue with her about it. But then the if it was if it's Marvel, I have to do what she says at the end of the day. If it's creator owned, I get to make that decision. And it's uh, it's uh, we've got to go back and forth. So um, so yeah. So she's been helping with this for a long time. Um, helping with everything for a long time. So um, uh, it, it's weird that people are surprised because to me. I've been like I've been working with her for like three years. No. Yeah, I mean we we um we we did a panel together. You you had you and I were uh, did a panel on on Deadpool at Heroes, and you brought Heather uh, up onto the panel. If oh, you right, yeah, yeah, because yeah. I think I was doing that book at the time, maybe. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you were. Yeah. yeah. So. Plus, she was way more of a Deadpool expert than I was. Like, you know, um, I I I know the character, but I mean. Any editor who works on a book, they know the ins and outs and every, you know, it's their job to know everything about it. So, um, uh, plus I was glad for the gig, you know, it was nice to, it was nice to, it was nice to be hired to write something. Sure. Um, you know, that, that, that was deadly. But, um, but yeah, no, but uh, yeah, had this been great. Um, and yeah. You know, you're, you, you just said that you, she knew more about Deadpool than you did. That, that kind of gets me to a question I've been meaning to ask you, which is that, you know, you've you've been at this for for a good long while now, but I, I often wonder, um, as a creator, do you find, especially one who who pre pandemic or post pandemic does a decent amount of cons and likes to socialize and meet meet fans and readers, do you often um, find yourself being known for or surprised by the things that people associate you with, like most directly? Like, in other words, I, I would imagine it's not surprising when people associate you with Moon Knight. Because I think you put like such a you know a, a seminal reshaping of the way we, we look at him visually and all that, but but you know you you I wouldn't say you've you've drawn a ton of of Deadpool and like you said then you wrote some Deadpool, but I feel like many people shorthand think of you as a as a Deadpool creator. Like is that like are you does that something that I, are you I am aware I, of that and you're like oh that's kind of weird and do you just get used to it? Well, I I wasn't surprised at the time because the book was really kicking off. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like it's weird because your your frame of reference is 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 finite, and then things expand around you. You know, so I was you know I was a Thunderbolts guy and that was grand. You know, I was happy out, and then I did Venom and I kind of got everything. Everything I did at Marvel kind of got bigger and bigger, which is great. Um, incrementally, larger projects. Deadpool was different because that that really that book had a big following, um, and. I think I, I think I get a disproportionate amount of attention from that character than I deserve because I only did five issues, um, and, and I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about this. Like I still see like merchandise with with, with paddles I drew from that book, and I'm like, you know, like Mike Hawthorne was on the book the same time as me, and I don't maybe I just don't see it because I I didn't draw it, but like I see so much stuff of my of mine used for merch and not him, and I'm like he. He's drawn. He's drawn way more um, Deadpool than I did, and also Deadpool was naked for an issue of a half and a half of it's the one yeah. I did. So there's not that many shots, but by God, they've milked every bloody panel for, uh, <laughs> for for merchandise. So, but but I think what happened. I think that the story hit really hard. I think it was a really good story by uh, Jerry Duggan, and for um, sure, dude. I think it it really hit the fans in a in a in a real core emotional way, which is great because that's the type of stuff I like to do anyway. Um, I didn't realize that's what it would be when I started the job, but by the time we got to the last issue, I was like, "This, if I was ever going to do a Deadpool arc, this is the one." But um, but yeah, I, I feel I probably get too much um, too much uh, attention as a quote unquote Deadpool artist when I've really only drawn. Five. I've I've written as many issues as I have drawn. Right. Yeah. Um, 
but I mean, it, it happens. I did a lot of covers too, so I think that stuff kind of. Um, uh, I, I, I think that was more surprising because I stayed longer. I thought it would than it would. Um, and Moon, and Moon Knight again. Moon Knight only did six issues, um, and uh, uh, Greg Smallwood did way more than I did, and I feel I get a disproportionate amount of um, attention. But like, look, I'll take it. <laughs> you know it can be you can work there's artists who work on books for years and don't get the attention they should so i feel i've benefited from milking as much attention out of like short runs as i as i've uh as i've been able so i'm, I'm pretty fortunate that way but um but, but most of the days it's it's it's, it's moon i'd get now which is fine because um uh even though it's a book i did like you know six years ago or whatever um nobody wants to be remembered for something they did well, not nobody, but I think a lot of people would like to be remembered for the most recent thing that they did. That they're always getting bigger and better, but like, I'd much prefer to be remembered for, for my run on Moon Knight than Venom, in that Venom was basically Rick and um, uh, Tony Moore, when they, when they reinvented that character, that's, that's them, you know? Uh, that's not what Venom was for me. I was like the third artist to be on that, that series. It doesn't have as much, it doesn't hold as much of an emotion, a personal uh, spot for me as say Moon Knight, which is something I built from the ground up, which I feel very invested in. So, so I, yeah, I, I don't mind that. If it was something I, I wasn't happy with, it would be different. But it's nice to be remembered for the thing that you're really proud of. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, so let's jump in and, and and talk about Time Before Time, um, which is like in some ways to me, it seems like a logical uh, extension of the work you've been doing for a few years now as a writer in that it's uh, a crime comic, which I would say as was Savage Town and Bog Bodies, but it's different, right? In that it's a, you're putting it out in single issues and it's an ongoing series. So that is different than the prior two, which were original graphic novels. So, uh, you know, we would, uh, since we have you here, why don't you sort of tell us about when did you conceptualize this? And and I think this is the first time I can recall you having a, a co-writer. Maybe I'm wrong there, but I don't remember. So you know, where's what's Rory's role? And 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 uh, and yeah, tell us about time before time. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I I think that, I think yeah, I don't think I've worked with a, a co-writer before either. Um, unless I'm losing my mind, but um, yeah, well, as as you know, so I, I did Savage Town a, a few years ago, which was this, you know, I would say more indie crime graphic novel with uh, uh, Phil Barrett was the artist. Yeah, and um, uh, oh, thanks, man. Um, and that was something I just really, really wanted to make. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like the career move to make. It wasn't like a big, high-profile thing. It wasn't like you know the book didn't sell insane or anything. It was, um, it was a niche thing. I'm really glad Image like published it. But um, that was some creative. I wanted to stretch my stretch my wings creatively, basically, and. Um, I felt at that stage I'd built my name up in a way that if you like my work, you might read something I wrote. And um, I was a big fan of Phil's work, who I, I think is criminally underappreciated. So um, for me, it was a way of making a... I wanted to make a Phil, of Gra- Phil, Phil Barrett graphic novel. Um, I, was, I was waiting for it to happen, and it wasn't, so I just did it myself. <laughs> um, and that was a great experience. I, I, I really loved it. Um, uh, it was very rewarding in a way that was different to like drawing something, you know. I mean, say the work I've done with Warren on injection and stuff, I'm insanely proud of. Um, but it was just a different creative exercise and experience writing something for somebody else, you know. Um, 
And I did it again with Bog Bodies, which again was an artist I really liked and I had this idea. And what, what I really like is I, I, I just like making stuff. And I like coming up with something and seeing it through to the end um, as arduous and stressful as it is. But um, I think I'd wrapped up Bog Bodies. Um, I'm not really sure, but I remember I was at Top Bubble and um, I, I know Rory for years. Rory, do you ever remember Zuda Comics? Sure, yeah, the the DC backed uh, webcomic pr- yeah, project. Yeah, Rory. Was so for, Rory yeah. had one of those um, years ago. I think when I was on Twenty Eight Days Later, he had one. I'm like, who the hell is this copshite? Because um, I knew he was Irish and I, I didn't know him. And I think I think he was 16 at the time or something. He was very young, Jesus. like he's he's like 10 years younger than me or something. Um, and I was like, fair play to him, like you know, um, like getting a DC Comics thing basically. Um, uh, so I knew of him, of him then, and then he, he, I think we got talking one time, and he sent me like uh, short stories over the years, and I just thought like this is a really smart fella, like uh, I, I like I like you know really cool ideas for short stories, and he's been working at 2000 AD now for say a couple of years, maybe actually more I think, and um, I got really frustrated because I, I was just, I know you, I mean you, you I'm sure we'll get into it at some stage, but you know art crowd was a thing I was talking about a lot, and one thing I would hear back for is like it's really hard to break in as a writer, which it is you know. Um, I've been waiting for an Irish writer to break in in a big way, and uh, instead I made myself him. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, right. Well, not only there's actually a couple of guys already um, uh, doing well at the moment, but um, but uh, but that was you know that I did that through default. Um, but right, there here is a guy who I thought was, I mean, I think it's hard for, um, I think it's hard for writers now who, you know, how are you going to break in? You're going to get a, something at IDW, but if you don't have any work, how can you do it? It's hard to do indie stuff now because there's so much stuff online. Like I, I, th- I think it's, it is genuinely tough for writers to, if you don't have the money to make to 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 get stuff made for a few years, then you're in trouble. Um, and you, whereas, by that you mean having like enough money to to pay a, a quality yeah, artist sorry, to collaborate yeah. with you and exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, if you. If you want to get work as a writer, you need to have, you need to make a story that people will read. If it looks crappy, well then, you know, if I'm going to sit down and read comics, um, and I've got Daredevil, and I've got Avengers, and I've got Stray Bullets, and then I've got this thing that I don't like, that I don't know and looks bad, well, what, what am I going to read? Um, you you know, I, it's an unfortunate truth, but if you want to be a writer in comics, you need to be able to spend some money to get, like, somebody who's going to make you look good, you know? Um and I've been kind of trying to give Rory advice over the years. And then I think I just, I was getting frustrated that he was sending stuff to editors, but it wasn't, you know, he, I think the way in, I would say is like at publishers like say Dynamite or IDW or, you know, it, Marvel aren't going to pick up somebody out of nowhere unless they actually have a, you know, body of work behind them. Um, and I thought one way that would help Rory is if maybe we did something together that we, that, that we, that we co-wrote because at least, if somebody reads something for me, then they'll read something that's him as well, and hopefully that'll piggyback uh, onto to his own work. So, so I was kind of helping him put together this book called uh, Writers of Blood, which came out I think a month or so ago. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, it's a really good crime, really good crime story, and um, I, I was we were, he was doing that while I was doing Bad Body, so we were both doing a crime book at the same time. But uh, I kind of I don't think he'd mind me saying like I kind of was a de facto editor on it where. I was looking over Joe's art and the colors and giving, you know, uh, Rory feedback. Um, uh, And I I just thought they put together a good book. And in the meantime, me and Rory had been talking about doing the sci-fi thing. 
the more we talked about this big sci-fi thing, I think, because I, I know him more as a sci-fi writer because of Judge Dredd and stuff, whereas I realized the thing that we actually had more in common was was crime. And, <laughs> you know, I wanted to do something sci-fi that wasn't crime. Personally, as a writer, I wanted to do something... I'm sorry if I'm blabbing here. I'm just like, uh, wind me up. I just keep going. But um, I... As a writer, I, I really enjoyed the Irish crime stuff, but I wanted to try something that was a little bit more um, quote-unquote mainstream for comics. Um, mm-hmm. the, I know, I'm sorry to shock you guys, but um, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, small Irish crime graphic novels aren't the most successful. Uh, <laughs> Get the hell out of here. That is bullshit. Uh, I know, it's, 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 it's crazy to, to, to break that news to you guys. Um, but, but you know, that's, they're the books I wanted to do, and I, so I did them. But um, you know, I had those stories had to wrap up. Um, I haven't been able to haven't been able to write anything that kind of goes long. Not many writers do, unless you're getting you know, say, Jason Aaron's getting to do these big plans of Avengers and stuff, and that's really cool. It doesn't happen a lot more in indie stuff because you know the the audience has to be solid in order if you're going to like be able to be successful enough to go long. And I I wanted to try and build a story that would have legs that I could kind of come in as a writer each month and do something. You know, I don't have to do the whole thing, but like I get to, I get to write creatively, scratch that itch every month on something that kind of um, that generates more, more. You know, like I, I feel the concept has a lot of legs, so we can go to a lot of places with it. So I, I wanted to try that creatively. I was there, um, but I was also really busy. Rory, you know, wasn't as busy as me and was able to kind of dig in in a way that I wasn't. So between us, we kind of came up with a way of working in which. You know, we bounce ideas off each other and he'll work on a script and I'll work on a script and we'll kind of, you know, he'll put it together. And um, it took a while to come together, but I think we have a really kind of a nice groove now where we've built this interesting kind of uh, world where we get to kind of do some wacky stuff. And um, uh, yeah, I have no idea what your question was. I just started talking and didn't stop. <laughs> this is going to be a problem, by the way. So No, we'll no. I mean, well, the question was 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 sort of open-ended to tell us about the 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 the, the the genesis of, of time before time, but then I also kind of put to you the idea of, of you having a co-writer for the first time and what that was like. So that's, I think where you got to talk. Yeah, about that was, I mean, so, so essentially there was, I had a creative thing I wanted to do and there was a, there was a goodwill thing I wanted to do, which was helping a writer get a shot, but also Joe Palmer, who drew the right of blood book with Rory, I thought was phenomenal and nobody knew who he was. So we we had we were working with an artist on time before time. We had a different name at the time, but um, uh, and he he ended up getting this big job and couldn't do it, which is fair enough. Um, so I so yeah, Rory had fi- sorry Joe had finished up on time before time, and I thought that was such a great team. I'm like, well, why break up something that's really working? Why not see if Joe's interested in this? And it was a cool to see Joe kind of go from this very cra- very grounded crime story to like all these big set pieces with futuristic buildings and different time zones and stuff um so um yeah so there was a few different things a few a few different things kind of came together and and, and now made it all kind of kind of work out yeah i wasn't familiar with 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 joe palmer before uh these these issues and uh i really, really yeah i really dig the style for sure uh, he's a he's a uh, he's in the UK, right? He's a British guy. I think he's, he's yeah. British. So he's been working in 2018. Actually, funnily enough, him and Rory. So in 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 the UK at Tall Bubble, they do 2018. Do basically do a talent search, and Rory and Joe won the art and drawing 
section in that year. Oh, okay. The same year. It was. This is like I guess five years ago now. Um, but so yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I'm very entertained by the fact now they're you know they're doing an image book together or their second image book really. Um, but yeah, it's funny. If I can get a word in here before Jason starts no. talking again. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Wow, shots fired. Really, Jesus. No, that's good. Hey, keep them entertained. Boys, boys, you, you can all have me. But are <laughs> <laughs> all nice. Uh, <laughs> going to run a train here. Nice. <laughs> as a creative person, I'm I'm a bit um, jealous of Time Before Time because it's it's not a a book. At least after reading three issues, it's not a book that is skewed towards you know very strong narrative with mm, okay art or extremely you know beautiful art and the story is you know just by the numbers it's completely balanced i think the story is wonderful you had me captivated and i'm not just saying this because you're our guest and we have to manufacture a uh, at least some kind of excitement for the thing you're working on right now you genuinely captivated me with these three issues I love them. Oh, nice, I thought man. I thought they were wonderful. But okay, as I'm reading if, them, if I can just stop, if I can stop you there for a second. Uh, okay, that, that's just no, just stop. It's, that was great. So, <laughs> yes, Jason. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, no, I, I, I genuinely appreciate that because it's so weird. Because like, you know, you push this, you're pushing a book, and you're pushing a book. Because uh, we just went off to print uh, two days ago, and I was talking to Rory, going, I think this is a good. Like, <laughs> I think this is a good book, even though like we've been looking into this thing for fucking months. Um, we worked so hard on it, and uh, it, it's tough to know when you just put something out there. So, so you know, actually hearing someone has read it and liked it, and I know you could just be nice by saying this, but I, I believe what you're saying. No, um, I, I hope you you can perceive the enthusiasm in my voice is not manufactured at all. Um, and in fact, I'll be honest, this book had a couple of things working against it going in. Unless there's a TARDIS involved, I'm not a huge fan of time travel stories. Fair enough. Um, and it's a crime story. Right, not not my my favorite genre, but that didn't matter because there's wizardry going on here. The story you you just pulled me in. I think the characters are wonderful. Tatsuo is completely believable as a, as a fictional entity. I believe this guy exists. Yeah, as as a as a fellow idiot, um, I relate to him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, no, uh, that I mean that's great. Like, you know, uh, making a comic is. You know, it's basically making a series of traps right. to try and trick you into feeling something, the reader into feeling something, and um, and that seems it seems like we've done that, which is which, which is great. Um, there's, there's a lots of kind of once you kind of dip into sci-fi, uh, and I'm a massive sci-fi nerd. Um, I keep making all these sci-fi references with Joe, or sorry, with Rory, and he hasn't seen anything I'm talking about. So <laughs> that's I'm like, what are you, have you seen any science fiction? But um, <laughs> But um, uh, no, no. I mean, I, I get you. Like, uh, uh, time travel stuff can work and really not work. And um, you know, I'm a big crime buff. But like, like I said, it, it, crime doesn't tend to actually do particularly well. What I would say is, I think, I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, for lack of a better term, it's a genre book. You know, right. it's, um, it's, it's, you know, it's like a lot of TV shows that will be out there, um, high concept, but like, it's not so sci-fi that it's. Um, that because uh, you know I think especially with time travel stuff it's like well there's a paradox and there's a thing here and then and I feel that sometimes you you can you can end up not engaged with the characters because it feels like they can just change what happened right Whereas, exactly but the mechanics of our, our story is basically it's very lo-fi 
you know there are machines that can take you into the past and that's it you you know there's no magic wristwatch that does it, it it's um you know it's an old chevy basically and that's all there is um it you know there aren't we're not talking about paradoxes or or you know talking to your future self or your past so like I, I mean i love all that stuff don't get me wrong but like we have seen it a million times before so we're, we're trying to use the device um of time travel as a kind of way of heightening the drama and the character um rather than it being a quote-unquote time travel book um uh you know so it's, it's so it stops it from being say with Rise and blood which i which I, I love what the guys did it's a straight-laced crime book which i love that stuff but i think the advantage we have with time before time is we have lots more opportunities to kind of do more interesting do stuff that's more off the wall you know uh be go bigger with visuals do kind of more experimental things while also uh not getting too into like you know the mechanics of explaining why you know you can do this you can you can do that ultimately we're just trying to make a an engaging story with an interesting concept uh and what you said about um about art and writing i really appreciate because that's actually me too i i i hate picking up books that are beautifully drawn and the story sucks but i'm, I'm like it's fine I'll, I'll live with it right. and there's some great there's great stories there that are terribly drawn you're like eh, you know fine but the the real alchemy is when things are firing on all cylinders and uh, and i uh, know it's great to know that you feel that's what one of these books yes, that uh, this book is one of those completely i just want to backpedal a little bit because you you hit the nail right on the head for me when you said um for me time travel gets um distasteful when the story becomes more about the process and the ramifications of the time travel and time. just all these these people that are uh byproducts of this this mystical process right but when you focus on the characters then it becomes real and you can do all the time travel you want like in this book when when at the core of all these manipulations there's actual people believable characters with emotions and and desires and and wants and it's just that's when it works for me and that's what this does yeah look i'm the same as somebody who you know digests a lot of sci-fi um you know um something that's too high concept can be very alienating uh, i feel for a reader or a viewer yeah. or, or someone who's consuming the, the material um i you know like what we rory and i because I say Rory and I, because we were kind of like chewing this over a long time before um, we got Joe involved, but we definitely, you know, didn't want to spoon feed the reader with all the information because one, it's incredibly boring to read, and two, it, like it just doesn't engage you, you know. Um, if you have to explain what's happening, then I, I think you've kind of lost, you've, you've, you're failing as a, as a storyteller. So, uh, I mean, it's it's a reason why we made that first issue longer because we really wanted to. Um, I think I wanted the reader to sit in the world and kind of acclimate to it in 31 pages rather than, you know, compress all the information into 20, you know. Um, I think uh, it was important, especially with something that, that is a little high concept like this, that uh, that you're engaged with the material and not that you're analyzing the, you know, the mechanics of it. Right, right. Uh, and the impetus for what I was going to say was, as I was reading it, um, I'm, I'm looking at Joe Palmer's work and I like to take a shortcut in describing the work of others by citing other artists that kind of sort of look like, uh, the, the work in question. And I'm, I'm going through the book and I'm thinking, all right, um, I see a little David Labum here, a little, right? 
yeah. little Paul Grist mm-hmm. here and there. Yeah, I can and, see that. And oddly enough, I get a Mike McMahon vibe from a lot of it. I mean, that would make sense. I mean, um, Joe, I mean, Joe's, you know, UK um, uh, bred. So I imagine me, and if, he, if he's a 2000 AD head, he couldn't not be a McMahon fan. Right. Um, uh, I, I've been saying mix between Mignola and Hewlett to oh, some people. Yeah, good. Yeah, because mm. um, like he's well. What it's, it's actually interesting. I, I was chatting the other the other day because um, for this Kickstarter, I I took a layout that he did and I used it as basically pencils and I inked on top of it. And our stuff is very different. His stuff is way more kind of stylized um, and cartooned in a way that mine isn't. But what I felt we we're actually very quite similar is a um, sense of composition. Um, so it, it's, it's, it was interesting kind of working over his work as a, as a kind of a, as a illustrative, um, exercise, but, um, but yeah, he, he, he pairs things down nicely into, you know, I quite like how he works with shapes, especially, you know, how he incorporates it into, into the fashion of characters. And he does a really great character work. All his characters look, um, different. That's the one thing with working with another artist that kind of reminds you where you could be doing better. Which kind of sucks as an artist, but um, <laughs> uh, no, I think those are all. I think I think Grist is is a good one as well. But um, but yeah, he's got this kind of as well. I kind of say Hewlett or um, or I think there's a little maybe Eric Canetti in there somewhere where he kind of um, pushes and stretches things in an interesting way, which I I wouldn't I I I wouldn't be so brave. So I really appreciate it when he kind of um, you know pushes or dials up to eleven in places. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but, I definitely saw the the Mignola for sure. Yeah, uh, and, and then I also saw a little Hester in there too for me. I, I, oh yeah, that makes uh, sense. Yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. What I love, I mean, the, the the it even though we're in the future and and we obviously have the ability for time travel, it's not. It, it's uh, this is gonna be a recurring theme. It, it's not the Star Trek utopia. It's not it, it, the the tech is dirty. It, it's it's you know not everything has been. Not everything's been such a great improvement, uh, however many years in the future. It, it's it, which is, you don't tend to. I mean, yeah, you get the post-apocalyptic stories, and of course, but but this isn't, this isn't a dead wasteland. It's it's there are people alive in these cities still getting by day to day, but they there's the ability to go back in time when things might be easier for you. But you know the the tech breaks down it, it's you, know, you can only go so far before you know something needs to be it's a piece of crap chevy that you know starts jittering when it hits 50 miles an hour it, it's i i appreciate how yeah it's it's the future but shit still happens sure I, and you know and it's still a precious resource i mean even though they are they're rickety um you know it's not the tardis you know uh it's um it's their they're cobbled in some cases cobbled together um, and it's kind of fun to see where we go actually in, in future issues but um it's uh well because i just feel like you know like we're saying with time travel you need to feel like there's some cost and you can't just travel whenever you feel like it um these things are very limited resources um despite the fact that they're you know buckets of bolts um and uh and and yeah i mean the idea is kind of about how we look to the past as if it was better mm-hmm. um, which isn't necessarily the case. Um, it's also kind of a little about, I mean, not to get political or anything, but like um, I was reading this, uh, I was into this talk about uh, how the worst year in the world was, uh, was voted at 2016, in 2016, and that record was broken the following year. 
uh, by 2017. Like we're we're very, I feel that we kind of uh, as people we live you know 60 to 90 years or whatever, and we have a very we have a very kind of tunnel vision view of the world, and uh, I think societally we're all kind of just kind of losing our minds about how awful everything is. Whereas if you take if you go back 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, I mean, like things, things, things are actually better now in, a, in so many different ways. And we romantic, I think we, I think because we're obsessed with like contemporary nihilism, but also like um, uh, rose tinted, um, uh, uh, what sort I'm looking for? Um, sentimentality. You know, uh, weren't the sixties great? Ah, oh, you know, it was Leave It to Beaver and everything. But like, well, it wasn't that great. You know, there was you know civil rights rights and everything. Like yeah. you know, it's, we we all we all compartmentalize things, especially when it comes to the past. So, I kind of um, the idea is like you know, we were obsessed with the terrible time that we're in, and people are trying to escape to the past. But but you know, I, I mean, you've read you've read more issues, you've more issues, so you can see things aren't exactly better when you go back. Um, plus, plus, also, I didn't want to do something that was like, um, well, I love it. I didn't want it to be quantum leap, or it was always the sixties or the fifties or the eighties or something. We go back in time to like, I think it's twenty, like uh, twenty sixty two or something. You know, like, like I like the idea we're going back in time, but it's still our future. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> because it's comics, so let's do it. You know, um, but uh, uh, yeah, um, yeah. There, there, I just did it again. I just went off on a on a mad tangent. There, there was it's like one you've thing to the show before. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, there was one thing, uh, one little golden nugget that was dropped in the first issue, and I really hope you come back to it, uh, whether um, somewhere down the line or as maybe a two-part story to to keep you know the book on schedule. But I, I need to see Oscar fighting the war with the radioactive bat creatures. <laughs> I, I need to see that. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's an image, all right. You, you um, can't just say that and then let it go. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was I was rereading it there, and I actually had the same thought. I'm like, uh, I can't believe we're, I'm, we're it's in the dialogue, and I'm not showing that. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean that is the. Mm, see, I, I could I could say something to you because you've read this, but somebody listening to this right, has right. I will say after the first arc. Uh, going to do something a little different for issue six, um, and the bonus, the benefit of a story like this is there's no real such thing as flashbacks because we're, you know, if you notice, whenever we see something that happened in the past, we just cut to the past um, and we just show it, uh, and be, it's kind of I think it's a it's a cool thing we have narratively where you know flash forwards, flashbacks are all basically part of the same. It's a linear story, but this but but the but the continuity isn't necessarily linear if you may, if that makes sense right so that is the benefit is we can kind of go places you know it's it's not like page one is the very beginning of the story um and that's what's kind of that, that's what I was kind of saying earlier about wanting to kind of do something more long form where you get to, you get to kind of uh play with those like there's an idea i don't know if you saw but um we posted a we posted five one page stories online a few weeks ago um i'll send you i'll send you a link to them if you haven't seen them but um, good they're, bas- they're basically just one page story and um we posted like once a day for a week and they actually tell a whole story but they work as as, as five single uh, one pagers but um we're working on an issue at the moment that is actually directly tied to one of those because 
was, I was thinking of a story. I'm like, actually, that was cool that we mentioned that we could go back to that. And because it's a time travel story, we can just literally just do that, which is pretty fun as a storyteller. Right. Just please don't forget about the radioactive bat creatures. I'm going to put a pin in it. Thank you. I'm making there it There we go. Now, will those five issues uh, somehow wind up in the collected edition of uh, Time Before Time? Yeah, uh, yeah. Issue one to five will be collected as volume one, and uh, we're working on volume two at the minute. We we have it's just a nice thing actually. It's nice to be able to say to retailers like, "Oh, it'll ship on time," because the entire first arc is already done before the book is out. So. That's insane! That's All five Fantastic. issues are done. Fantastic! No, Thank you. Yeah, See, that's yeah. smart. Well, it's smart, but I mean, you know, it's it wasn't. It's not that we're very smart. It just kind of worked out that way. Like, uh, we were just making the book and. The tough thing is kind of knowing, like we wrote issues five, that like if we ha- we might need to wrap it up because we don't know how sales will be. But thankfully, Image said we can we can go longer, so that was great. Um, uh, but I mean, that all depends now on how the book sells. Like, uh, um, knowing how far to write where you where you will need to end it if you need to, without um, without being able to kind of cash in on the stuff that you want to do. It, it's, it's weird. It's a weird balancing act. It's, it's very frustrating. I wish I could just say that um, the issue was, we're going to do this for five years and we can do whatever we want. But um, yeah. that we, it's definitely better. But I mean, just having worked in comics for a long time, I know it's better to have this stuff in the, in the, in the can. I know if I <laughs> think is like Joe is very professional and very cool. If it was me, I'd be like, come on, bring them out already. Cause I need to show off. But, um, <laughs> right. but no, Joe, Joe is far more patient and he's okay with like whatever it takes to make the, 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 the book. Code. I'm, I'm definitely managing this book better than what I'm drawing because uh, I'm not fighting the need to show off my own stuff all the time. Well, that's in- it's interesting that you had uh, you have all five done, and you still chose to go the singles route, because we, we all hear the horror stories of reader attrition. Like the first issue will will, will ship thirty thousand, and then number two will do, eh, you know, twenty one, and then number three is even lower. Um, so you made a conscious effort to put it out in singles, whereas. Is that such a thing if you did like a collected edition as like the first time before time will be a a 220 page story like you don't run the risk of having attrition in that respect Uh, true but if you just did something as a graphic novel um, attrition doesn't exist but um, no sales do (laughs) (laughs) okay Um, fair enough (laughs) as in bog bodies for example I would say like did well but like, I'm not making crazy money on that book. We put it that way. Right. Um, that was four issues of content released as a graphic novel. Um, anything you make from that graphic novel goes into making the book. So, you know, I would say, because I, I paid everybody on that, I've probably, you know, whatever I spent, I would be close to making back. So, you know, if things go well, I might make a bit of a, bit of a profit in the long run. But like, that's, you know, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of money. Uh, taking years to make that back. Right. Um, if Bog Bodies worked as, I think I could have done Bog Bodies as four issues, but the point of that story is that you're stuck in this place, and I felt like taking a break three times between issues one and four would have worked against the sense of claustrophobia. Mm-hmm. So there was a story reason to keep that as a uh, as a graphic novel. Um, just 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 money wise, it's more likely that we'll attrition or no. We, it's more likely that we'll be able to cover our costs right. with issues and yeah. maybe make profit on the book. Again, that's a maybe. You know, you, you don't really know. But I think, 
I think the idea works better as an episodic story, um, which is what, which is why I mean, we're, why we're doing it that way. Um, if there's something I think is a good graphic novel, I would do it as a graphic novel because I've done I've just done it twice, so I have no problem doing that. Yeah, but I, yeah, was trying, fair enough. I was trying to do something a bit. I was trying to do something a bit more, like I said, more mainstream with this. Try do something. Um, like I wouldn't be able to do this as a series of seven graphic novels. Just wouldn't be feasibly. It wouldn't be financially possible. But if the book is a success, and then if if the if the issues are paying for the art and more. And then the trade is paying more, then that means we have the security to be able to do a book that goes longer. Um, you know, if, if the book wraps after two after two trades, the reason will be is because we weren't able to make it work money wise. Just be mm-hmm. totally, totally honest. I mean, I've talked to some creators about this too. Like, I know some artists are like, "Oh, I'd love to do a um, you know a hardcover, sixty page uh, graphic novel," and I'm like, "Well." I hope you like not making any money for a year. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, I mean, not that it can't be done. I mean, you know, like I, I love it when Brubaker and Phillips put out those books, the 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 hardcover. Reckless, sure. Era. And that's and I mean, and even and and not obviously everybody's situation is different, but I mean, Ed even said in the back matter that you know, due the due to the pandemic and the fact that they were, they were in a position where they could actually just sit down <clears throat> and spend time on an original graphic novel instead of worrying about the money coming in from criminal issues. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they're very inspiring mm-hmm. in that how they play with the uh, format and everything and the work that they do. So, you know, I love, I read pulp. I'm like, Oh, I'd love to do this. But like, you know, if I took half a year off and drew bog bodies and it sold the way it did, I wouldn't have been able to, to get by. Now, if I drew it, Maybe that's the question. If I drew it, would it have sold much better? It probably would have sold a bit better, but I, I, I really don't know. Um, it's very hard to gauge this stuff, you know. Uh, the, I guess kind of the fun thing about doing graphic novels is it's kind of a test to see how something would perform, you know. At least I know if I wrote and drew a graphic novel, I know that it would do X, it would sell X amount. That's that's interesting. That's good to know mm-hmm. before I, I make that jump. And creatively, I would really like to do it. I just, um, I wouldn't do hardcover, you know. I wouldn't do what, what, um, what Sean and um, and Ed do because uh, I think it would be too ex- like I deliberately made bog bodies cheaper to see if it would sell better as an experiment um, because I was paying for everybody I think I, I was I, I was able to afford to make that to to make that experiment but if I was going to write and draw and put everything myself into it I'd need to know I'm making something back and hardcovers are expensive so I wouldn't do it as a hardcover even though the pretentious narcissist in me would love it to be a hardcover um you know i i though those kind of financial realities uh, need to be uh, accommodated because there's, there's no point anybody getting going to the poorhouse uh trying to make a graphic novel i i, I that's why I'm pay, i pay every making sure i'm paying people to do it so that at least if the book did badly they still made x amount even though it's not crazy mm-hmm. money or anything right. um but uh, yeah, I mean that that stuff comes into play. But sorry, I think I'm doing a very long way of answering your question. But I, I felt that time before time was a dip was different. I felt that it was something that would work episodically and something that had, if successful, could go much longer as a series rather than uh, a, a two or three graphic novels, which we probably wouldn't have been able to get to because you're you're putting all this money. So let's let's say you did this graphic novel, it's all done. Um, and we put it out. It wouldn't make money for a year, just for the way things work out. Pretty much, you know, uh, the way the book market and things like that work out. Whereas with single issues, you're going to make money back smaller, but like sooner, uh, which which does help when you've put a lot of money into stuff. 
Right. Well, speaking yeah, I mean, as you, uh, speaking as someone who had the good fortune to read the first three, I don't think the attrition is going to be all that great because it is a fantastic story. Sorry for a second. For a second, I thought you were. I don't think it's going to. I know, I know what you mean now, but for a second, like, <laughs> you, <man>. oh <laughs> no! I mean, it's not. You're not going to lose many people. You, once uh, you get your hooks into them, I think they're going to stick around. I think so. I think I think we have a good first issue that does a good job of kind of getting you into the world and making you want more, which I think all first issues are the best at. It's like, here's the concept. Here's the characters. You like the characters? Well, hold on. Something's just, you know, going to change everything. Um, and that's great. I mean, I, I quite enjoy that when I was reading first issues. I think we managed to do that. Um, and I, I'm glad at least you've read a couple more because now you can see. I, I think if you read issue one, you're going to want to read issue two. But yeah. um but, you know, you never. The market's different after COVID as well. Like, um, it seems to be speculators are up. You know, collectors are up, and um, it's hard to know when you see the numbers. You're like, how many of those are readers? Uh, that's always hard to know. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely, so, it's true. Speculation is huge right now. It's yeah, and not just in comics, but yeah, I mean, for sure, comics is a part of that. I mean, it's, I, it's. I can. I, I see how it's good because there's more money in the pocket of retailers. You know, at a time like this, which I. I totally get. My worry is, you know, just the sustainability of the yeah. of the book. I, I want this to be something that, like, me, Rory, and Joe, especially when you invest so much time into something, you don't have to pull the plug uh, unnecessarily. So, um, I but I have a good feeling that if people who read it are going to, we'll put it this way, a lot of people are going to try it out, um, and people kind of drop a book after that, or they might just want to have the first issue. I have a good feeling that after issue one, you're going to want to see what happens next. So, I guess we'll see. Oh, the cliffhanger is great because I, I think, you know, when, once you see that, the ID badge and um, I, I was expect, I honestly was expecting with the first issue for it to go. And even based on the preview pages from, from the solicit a couple months ago, I figured I thought I had an idea where it was going, but then you kind of throw a wrench into things by the end of the first issue. And now, um, as I'm reading the next two issues, I, I, I see where things have diverted from what I originally thought. I, I, I love the fact that it's kind of, it, it's not just a straightforward time travel kind of story. There's, there's actual, um, the motivations people have feel, feel real. And, and there are some sympathetic characters and then there's some characters that, you know, you really want to see at the bottom of river. And, and it's just, it's, it's really well done. I, I had, I thought I had an idea of what you were doing and obviously um, that wasn't the way it went. And, and I mean, I could be happier about that. It, well, yeah. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that wasn't disappointing. I thought I was going to like this. Turns out it's something. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd I waste my time? No, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, and even if it was, I think all of us, we, we do our previews pretty pre- previous videos for our patrons and and i believe all three of us mentioned it in our video i know i did oh um, yeah for sure so i mean but it was so it was a no-brainer i mean it, again it, it's it's time travel it's it's got science fiction feel yes your name is attached to it but it's one of those things where uh i was just kind of this is the kind of story there are some books where i will i've kind of uh put myself into the habit of of waiting for for the collected editions, just because I'm running out of space, just because I want to read things sure. in 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 chunks instead of you know in little bits and pieces. Uh, but but this was the kind of book where I saw the solicit, I saw the art, um, 
and and I was like, I don't, I don't want to wait for to, to read that, a complete that's, story. That, that's that's great to hear. I, and it was a good note that um, Heather would keep giving us on the book. In that, you know, like I said, Bog Bodies is a self-contained thing, but um, you know, Heather's worked in monthly comics for years now, and she's kind of good to go. Like, you know, keep in mind somebody's reading this one; they might just pick this issue up, you know, or it's been a month since they read the last one. And like I said, we don't, you know, Rory and I don't want to spoon feed anybody, but it's but it's at the same time good to to keep in mind that you're writing for the. Like I said, Bog Bodies are wrote for the format, and we're doing the same with this. So. You know, it'll read as a trade collection, but it'll it's it's the opposite of what I was doing before, whereas I was making graphic novels that were read to be as read as graphic novels. This is being read written to be read as single issues. So I'm and again, that's also a good challenge. As a as a writer, it's something that I haven't you know, I did with Deadpool vs. Zoma and Logan, but um I would have liked to do to have done that more. Um uh it, I, I like I like the idea of writing something, not to not to not to just wrap it up. Which tends to be a lot of the projects are they tend to be miniseries more now than than ongoing. So by the time you set your story up, you're like, well, how do I wrap it up? And it's kind of exciting to maybe think about where you know where it can go next, and you know the real advantage you create around comics where anything really goes. It's a uh, it's pretty exciting. I, I often think about that. Like I mean, you've talked about you've kind of been dancing around it this issue of where you 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 foray into creator owned, particularly with the image model. And like you said, I mean there's this commerce versus art, right? Like this was pitched as an ongoing series as many image books are, but then you know that the minute that it's pitched that like sales and your own ability to pay the mortgage are going to dictate whether it's a five issue ongoing or a 10 issue or yeah. a 60 issue. And, and so, you know, I guess one of the things that I find fascinating about you deck is that, um, you know, being like, as, as you probably know, like I, I kind of get obsessed about like the 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 business part of, of comics because I think it's so interesting in in how everybody handles it. Like from my vantage, you know, you you you've created this interesting world for yourself, and and I I say you've created it because I think lots of 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 um, of creators who have success at the big two either by choice or perhaps may perhaps not, but they they kind of fall into this rut of like, well, I worked for the big two, I made it, like uh, you know, I bro- I, I defied the odds, and I'm just gonna. I'm going to be a good soldier. I'm going to do what they ask me to do. I'm going to do this book until I do the next book. And, and like, that's great. And like, if that fulfills them, like, I'm not trying to dismerse that, but, but like for you, it seems like you and like some other people that we, we really hold dear, like, like Scotty, for example, like, I think you're in the same camp where you have, at least from my vantage, you've, you've, you've kind of gotten away from that in the sense that you, you still very much are connected to and have deep relationships um, with Marvel and, and you still do frequent work for them, but you've also carved out, you know, a, a life for yourself, both professionally and I presume financially, where you can do things like Bog Bodies, like Savage Town, like this. And, you know, I remember I reached out to you when Savage Town came out and told you how much I loved it. And and you're very, I think you're very, uh, you're, you're very modest. And you were, you know, you kind of said to me at the time, like, thanks, I doesn't, appreciate doesn't that. Sound like, doesn't sound like me, Jason. No, no, but you were like, but, I, but you know, the book's not selling well, but like, but I'm glad, you know, but I, I, I wanted the book to, I really wanted to do this book and I, and I had the, I had the means and the, you know, the opportunity to do it as long as it, you know, breaks even, like I'm happy that it's out there. So I'm wondering, like at this point in your career, like, are you consciously balancing the commerce versus the art? Like, are you saying, oh, you know, I can do these five Marvel covers because covers pay really well and, and I like doing covers. So it's not like, it's not like a slog. It's not like you're, you know, you're, you're having to pick up trash every day, but like, you're like, but do you balance say, okay, you know, I'm going to do covers for a few months and then maybe I'll do this this one shot like you did with Mortal Hulk and, and and so that I can do 
my own stuff? Like, are you consciously balancing that in your in in your, your head, or is it more just like feeling? Like, are you just kind of doing both, and and so far so good? I'm just wondering, like, how conscious it is to balance the two. Um, it's conscious to a degree, but like, I mean, you know, like you say, I have good relationships with Marvel and all that, but like, you know, that's I'm lucky to have that. Uh, I, I mean, I I felt like I had a stage of my career where I was a good soldier. And I kind of saw that that was going to go down a bad road if I kept on it. And it made sense to maybe invest in myself a bit more, which I did. And But, like, not at the cost of burning any bridges. So, you know, I didn't just, like, uh, you know, go, whatever, Marvel, and, you know, yeah, right, fire right. as is going out the door. <laughs> because, well, there's no, no need. Because there's lots of great people there I really like working with, and I, you know, love a lot of those characters. So I, I'm, in a, I'm in a very fortuitous place where I get to have my cake and eat it. Um where uh yeah i get to like play with the character have fun, have fun with stuff that pays the bills but i also like you know like i'm 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 pretty much just doing marvel stuff art wise for the rest of this year mm-hmm. um just it just kind of worked out that way um but i have this image book coming out and i really like that i'm not investing i have every single thing i have into marvel because you know, there could be a new editor or somebody who doesn't like me, or you never know. You know, these things. It's. It, I wish I could say it's always down to talent, but it isn't. Um, like I, I'm, I'm lucky now, but who's to say? You know, somebody I annoyed uh, tomorrow could be could run it in seven years. Who, who the hell knows? And um, so, I, yeah, I don't like having. I don't like the idea of having all my um, egg, all my eggs in one basket. But but also, creator own stuff has been rewarding in a way that that the Marvel stuff isn't. I mean. It just couldn't be unless I owned Moon Knight. It couldn't be. Um, so, so conscious, yes, because I'm. All, you know, I want to keep. I want to keep a foot in both, in both um, worlds, effectively. And I like writing for other artists. Um, I think the next stage for me is to kind of dip all the way in and, and write and draw something that I that I own. But uh, that that won't happen until I guess next year. But um, uh, but I can't say it's all planned out within. You know. Uh, a square inch like uh, a lot of the stuff is just kind of you you, pl- you plan as best as you can and then see what happens <laughs> you know yeah. um, like uh, I think I'm going to have a new Marvel thing come out right after uh, uh, Time Before Time and I'm like is that going to be good for Time Before Time or is it going to be bad if they can get something um, a superhero thing is that going to compete with the creator on thing or will it help I have no idea, you know, um, like I said, with the graphic novels, can me just writing something that I don't draw do well? Uh, no idea. Try it. Can something I write that I, that I, that I don't draw, but I do the cover for, you know, will that help? No idea. Like, so a lot of these things are experiments and, um, uh, and now time before time is, is another kind of level of that experiment, but they're also kind of ways of testing the water for, you know, where, like I said, if I write and draw a graphic novel, now I have a frame of reference to work from. Um, if I write and draw a monthly image book, I have a frame of reference to work from now. Like, I, I, th- I think if I write and draw a book, it'll do as well, at least as well as Time Before Time. So I'm investing in Rory and I'm investing in Joe and Sasha and Heather and everybody. But, you know, I hope maybe that'll create opportunities for me and a at least some kind of... Um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, sorry, it is it is uh, half one in the morning. Um, <laughs> looking for uh, like a, not, not a soft landing, but at least a base level I can kind of 
I can make some calculations for my future, you know? Sure, um, sure. So I wish, I wish I had a better answer to your question. It's, a, it's basically a bit of a mix of both where, well, also as well, man, before COVID, my career was going somewhere very different. The things I was working on were taking me a different place. And I will say, I think that, that COVID did make me want to invest in myself more. Um, okay. Uh, uh, because who knows what's going to happen. Again, like I said, I'm probably going to do Marvel stuff for the rest of the year, but you know, things could have gone very differently. So the first thing happened when, when, when the pause happened and it was pencils down, I mean, I, I was running over a lot of different plans, but like, you know, you, you, you don't know how the world's going to work out. So I, I plan as best I can. And then I think I, I'm able to kind of, um, uh, steer whichever the way the waves are, are, are going. I'm sorry. I'm sure. sorry. That sounds like I didn't answer your question at all. No, no, that's 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 perfectly fine. So, so, but but on that on that front, I mean, since you've done both, what do you think is harder? Or I guess, in asking it in a more positive way, like what 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 do you enjoy about? Is it you know is it is it trickier to write for another artist or to draw for another writer? Um, it's it's just it's just different to be honest. Like um. I just did, I wrote an, an interview with this magazine and they were asking, you know, which was better, um, drawing Deadpool for, from a script or writing Deadpool for another artist. And, um, they, they were diff, they were satisfying in different ways. Um, you know, uh, drawing Deadpool was fun, but like writing him, I got to have more of a say on things. That's one thing you don't really get to do as a, as an artist. You're kind of asking for permission. I think you get a lot more control as a writer. Uh, over who's on the book, who's coloring it, and now that appealed to me as an artist because I feel like I can I have a good eye for who's going to be good on certain things, um, you know more so than I might think an editor or a writer would. It, it, it depends, but um, you you as an art as an artist you're basically just kind of going with things. You have no idea. I think I, I heard I heard somewhere that there was some kind of argument about me being on Deadpool in the first place. Um, you know somebody didn't want me or some editor or whoever it was. I have no idea, but um. But you know, as an artist, you don't you do not hear these conversations. You know, mm. you generally don't get asked, "Do you want want to work on X Men or do you want to work on you know Avengers?" It's, I think I might have told you the story before, but um, I was offered Deadpool and I said no because I was I was fine on Venom, I was enjoying it, um, and uh, they're like, "Oh, we'd really like you to do Deadpool." I'm like, "Okay, well, only if I get um, you know a certain colorist and only if I get to do my own covers because if that's what they want, I'm gonna you know I hardballed it a bit." And because, uh, you know, like I liked forking on Venom and they're like, oh, Venom's cancelled. It's like, oh, right. <laughs> Deadpool it is. So Deadpool know, sounds like, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all of a sudden. I, but I mean, you know, I, I'm glad I kind of put my foot down and got more stuff I wanted. I, I would probably would have done it otherwise because I, I was kind of a good, uh, you know, the, uh, the Catholic schoolboy in me was eager to please. But um but, you know, those are those are decisions beyond you. You know, um, you you're you're kind of a chess piece that's moved around without you knowing about it. And and I see that now from the other side where I'm talking about working with with artists. Um, we don't artists don't realize how valuable they are. They are, you know, especially if you're good to work with, especially if you're reliable, you know, and if you're super talented, that, that helps too. But you are effectively a, a, a pawn piece, and most don't realize that they are much higher value than that. Um, but I like building things. I like making things, and I like um, of what I've really liked about bog, like bog bodies. I designed the book myself. I've, I've taken little challenges like that. Um, it was too much work with time before time, so I asked Ashley to do it. Um, <laughs> but but I, like, I like making things. You know, I like I like taking something from the scratch and seeing it through, through to the end. That's very satisfying in a way mm. that I think. Uh, 
I'm not really interested in, in working with writers anymore. Um, really, um, you know, there's a Jason Aaron thing or Garth Ennis I'll, I'll consider, or Ray Brubaker, sure, I'll consider it. But like, um, beyond those type of things, I think I'm more invested in investing in myself as a storyteller. Um, so that's the kind of work I want to uh, do from now on. And yeah. the, the benefit of, of, of work for hire is it takes up, there's a certain amount of mental exhaustion you go through um, when a creator on book. Like this week, all this design stuff uh, with Sasha for the, t- the process book, um, getting the book to the printer, there's some technical issue, emailing you know somebody to make sure it got certain pages, all that stuff. Even if even though I have an editor on the book, so much, um, just so much kind of paperwork stuff that comes with it, so much, um, uh, you know, timetables and X, Y, and Z. And, and there's days where I don't get, I don't start drawing till nighttime because I've been spending the day doing basically, you know, monkey work that needs to come with doing creator on book. The nice thing about doing something for Marvel is someone gives me the pages. I draw the pages, pages are done. Um, that's, mm-hmm. it's actually kind of, I'm not going to say it's, 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 um, it's, it's brainless. It's just that, uh, you're using a certain set of muscles and that's great. And um, it's nice not to have to be using every single inch of brain space all the time. Like it is a little uh, mentally exhausting doing a, doing a creator on book. But look, I mean, that's 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 the negative side of the of the positive. There's so much positive to it. Right, there are trade offs, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There are trade offs. Like I'm working on the Marvel thing right now. Like I said, I don't need to do X, Y, and Z, but I also don't own those characters. So, you know, I, I think as long as you know what you're going, you're getting into with every, each situation, uh, it, it depends. Um, but yeah, there, yeah, there's, there's pros and cons to both for sure. Mm-hmm. The, uh, assistant you mentioned, well, how, um, the process, obviously the, you, it's a co-writer situation with, with time before time, but, um, is it, I don't, whether it's your creator own stuff or, Marvel, do you find do do you are, are you already giving giving him the specific being an artist yourself? Are you saying this is this is the way you expect the page to look, or is is Palmer coming back to you with 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 ideas? Is it a Marvel method, or are you guys actually saying this? These are the beats you have to hit on each page. I know, no, it's it's all fully scripted. Um, uh, it's funny. I was just looking over. Uh, we're doing this Kickstarter for a, a process book, basically about um, about making the series, and um, we're doing a bit where there's a bit of script and and um, and, uh, and the original art. I was looking at the script. And I'm like, oh, Joe didn't do any of this. That's <laughs> like, but the page looks great, you know. Um, like, I I I wouldn't want to be micromanaged, so I w- I don't do it to anybody else. Uh, I think if I was allowed to, um, I would do it. But I, I stop myself, you know, because I don't want to be the asshole who I would hate. Um, I think, you know, it's kind of sort of how I worked with Warren in that I felt like he he had specific ideas that he would put in the, in the script and then just kind of give me the room to do my own thing. And I'm very much trying to do that with um, with Rory and Joe. I mean, Rory is a much tighter plotter than I am. But um, I feel, you know, I'm good to kind of remen- re- remember to stop and give... Um, Joe more space, but but Rory and Joe work together on a graphic novel anyway, so I think they've got a good mm-hmm. back and forth. You know that 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 helped. Um, but there's certain things like um, the timestamp effect, like you know if you go to a different time, there's a big uh, date 
It's yeah. like a, a, a wide panel. Th- yeah. That was an idea of mine. That was that was something I thought of as a device that would work. Um, it's now, very fringe-like. Joe, I love that. I love that. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I love fringe actually. <laughs> um, but I, I knew that um, I knew that if it was just a little caption that said the gear. Uh, as a reader, you're kind of going to gloss over it. But mm-hmm. for for us, for me, the book it's 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 time as ge- geography as time basically. So while we don't say where we're going, it's very important you know when we are. And I think right, nothing's right. going to help you with that with ma- massive le- um, numbers, but also use that panel as effectively a location, a location, uh, establishing location. So, so you know, and, and some of that was kind of finding out the best way to do that. Like nobody speaks in those panels because you want the letters to be clear. Um, you know, we keep the same size roughly so that it's not like a square panel. L- little things like that. We, it was actually interesting. We did the uh, short stories. We wanted them to work on Instagram. So we worked out a way where it was five panel pages. The first panel oh, nice. stamp and the four are more square so that they fit that you can you can swipe them for Instagram and um, Oh, that's awesome. That was, yeah, that was more Joe's thinking because Joe, I think Joe is, uh, is Instagram is a platform he he really likes, um, and that that was an interesting way to do it. But but little, little thing, there are some little kind of visual things. I I think um, do you know the scene in the nightclub? Um, um, yeah, what well, you mean when Tetsuo is coming back from where yeah, he was? Yeah, yeah. Um, like I don't know if you know, like uh, if if uh, if that would be evocative to you, but I, in the script I was saying like um. Uh, there's there's a bit in the Batman Beyond um, theme. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I remember watching when I was a kid. There's a bit where you see them dancing in a futuristic nightclub, and I remember even then when I was 17, I burst my ass laughing. But um, uh, sorry, Darren Cook, but um, uh, <laughs> that's, that, was, that was in my head as writing. So there'll be little things like that where you'll you know I'll leave little marks or, or between me and um, me and Rory, but uh, I. I, I just we just did an interview and and, and I read Joe said something along the lines that that we give him the room to kind of like the same a lot like all the fashion the buildings the machines it's all Rory like I I don't want to go in and go like this is how you do a time machine like Joe's the guy who's going to draw it so you know let him figure it out um let let him do it in a way that's going to be entertaining to him um I I would like to think I've a very light um. I think I kind of worked more between the covers and stuff to try and create a kind of a uh, an ambiance. Ambiance. That's not the word I'm looking for. Um, but an, an aesthetic, uh, a sure. feel to the book to create a, create an identity for the book that reflects Joe's work and the feel that we're going for. Um, and beyond that, when it comes to inside the pages, I kind of outside of that kind of timestamp device, I kind of I think we pretty much just let Joe flex his muscles. Well, as Vince alluded, I mean, he's certainly up to the task. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't read a lot of 2008 AD. I know for shame on me, but, but I, I, I don't I, either, to be honest. Okay, I was blown away by by Joe's work on these three issues. So, um, so well, even so, if you look at the right, right in blood, like yeah. that's like I said, it's way more restrained. It's, but what he does with shapes and shadows is great. I just ordered it actually uh, after oh, you great, started great. talking about it, so I'm going to give it a try. But, um, so I think it was like three or four years ago now. Time flies. That. Um, I don't. I don't even know if, if I would. If you would say that you were like the head of it, but but there was this movement largely on social media that we were certainly behind all for the art cred movement. I don't. I say I don't remember if you created the term or the hashtag, but but like you certainly were someone I associate. A cult more than a movement. <laughs> okay. Well. Okay. But but I I for those that don't know what we're talking about, um, Declan certainly was one of the 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 more prominent voices, at least as I remember it. Uh, basically, I know you wrote a 
I don't know if you call it an op-ed or an opinion piece, but I know you published it on Image, and basically you said something I think we would, as as fans of 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 the of the medium for all these years, would agree with, which is just that um, you know there's this tendency, a shorthand, if you will, when comics are reviewed or publicized or talked about in comic shops, where it's it's generally writer centric, you know, uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil, Alan Moore's Watchmen, and and that. You were kind of trying to, and again, I know, I know it wasn't just you, but I mean, it, just saying your role in it, you, you know, you and others were saying, hey, listen, like it's high time that we started giving credit where credit is due, and and hence art cred, which is to say that that comics are the magical medium that we all love and adore because of the visuals, and that it's it's equal footing, right, regardless of who owns it or like who gets the longer run. But you also did what I appreciate is, is at the time when you kind of took that stance, you also, I thought, made some very cogent explanations for why it was the other way, right? Which is just that writers can write more than one book at the same time. They can stay on a book for a lot longer if a book comes out more than once a month. Inherently, it's going to be drawn by multiple artists where the writer can write the scripts fast. Like, there's lots of reasons for that shorthand to exist, but it's 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 like we, we should be better than that, particularly when we're being uh, speaking critically uh, of of the medium and and I know we took that to heart because you know we do to whatever extent we have a little role in that idea of pushing forth comics or our art critiques or art reviews we, we we've always tried to be balanced in that and so we definitely like we're we're pumping our fists at the movement but I guess what I what I was wondering deck is like would you say now four years later I think it was 2017 so four years later are we in a better place I mean ha- has has the call been heated um what do you think <laughs> is a terrible answer to your question well um, yeah, yeah i mean I, I, you think. I, I, I have an answer but i'm curious what you think well I, okay so well i mean and i don't want to speak for, the, for 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 david and vince i'll let them chime in but i mean i would say i think we've we kind of always thought that we we were ahead of the curve there like we've we've very much tried to emphasize that from our vantage like in what role we can play but um but i do still think that in as much as comics are referenced outside of the very niche world like say this right now like the thing we're doing here i do think there is still the shorthand of identifying comics with the person who writes the scripts i i and and that's why like i i think we've always known that that was something that needed to improve upon but i can't tell you because i don't know that i listen to enough other podcasts or read enough comics journalism um to say that i i i'm i feel like it's changed dramatically but then again um, that's kind of why I posed it to you. Like, I'm just curious if, like, as someone who is sure. both a writer and artist, and and someone who is passionate about this, do, do you have you seen improvement? Do you feel like the improvement waxes and wanes? Do you do you foresee a time when when it is where it needs to be? Um, well, I do actually think it has gotten better. Um, I, I mean, it, it still happens. Of course, it still happens. You know, and and you know, it happens to me too. Um, I think, I think the thing is to catch yourself doing it, and be, like like you said, like there were reasons for 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 doing it. Another reason is laziness. You know, it's easier to say one person yeah. than it is to say sure. two or three. So it's very, I mean, you know, it's very easy to kind of fall off the wagon and just say, um, you know, Zarsky's Daredevil. You know, it's, it's easy exactly. to say, right? It's, exactly. Well, I'd say hey, I, I think that's way more likely to happen because of like the author author authoratorial hands that they couldn't have. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just yeah. say one book, a single book like Daredevil. You know, Chip is is somebody who would absolutely say who's working on the book, but the book is monthly, so it's more than just uh, Marco um, uh, Chiquetta. Ch- Ch- 
Chiquetto, I think it's, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, it's his book too, and he's done so many issues. But, like, let's just use that book as, a, as an example. Um, how many issues has he drawn? Loads. Uh, has he drawn all of them? No. And the less, as an artist, the less issues of a book you're drawing, the less it makes yours. Um, uh, it weakens your your um, authorship of the of the book, right. and that's that's tough. Um, one of the reasons I first started talking about it was just thinking about how, you know, all these artists who have you know died poor or you know led to hard lives and not really benefiting off the work, and a lot of it is because seminal work that they worked on they were not considered, you know, um, an author. They were uh, work work for hire. So, mm. Some some are literally just somebody who just would have just done a book. But like, you know, I'm just trying to think of. Forgive me now. I I can't think of a single example. Um, because I've had a couple of drinks. But um, you can you could mention a, a book that had a very long run with one writer and one artist, uh, and still it's the writer who will get uh, attention for it. And that is the only thing that that artist would have worked on for years. Whereas sure. the the writer probably wrote a movie or a TV show or another series or the graphic novels. And I mean, I think Walking Dead's a good example, right? I mean, and and maybe that's because of the TV show. I mean, everybody you know thinks of Robert Kirkman with The Walking Dead, but but Charlie drew what a hundred and thirty yeah. of the. How many issues does issues? it take? Like, how many issues does it take? You know, for <laughs> you to be considered somebody, is it two? Is it twenty? Is it sixty? Like, mm-hmm. you know that. That bloody sucks. If if you've de- if you develop, I can, I I, can, I, take, I take I can swear right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah fuck it sucks, man. Like yeah. um, to you know, and and I'm saying this as somebody who hasn't really happened to in, fa- in fairness. You know, I I I pretty much I think I get like I, I get just as much uh, credit, even maybe more so than I deserve. But um, you know, there's there's guys who man, I wish I wish I had examples at hand now. Um, I'm not, I don't even have a comic in this room to look at, but um. You can you can draw twenty issues of a series in two years, and you still your name isn't 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 in there. And it's I the think Mahmoud's a great example. I mean, you know, we're huge fans of Mahmoud. Mahmoud has done, uh, you know, one to two year runs pretty consistently on big Marvel books. They haven't do you know they've had X Men and he he launched Conan. And while again, when we talk about it, we talk about it as Jason and Mahmoud's awesome run on Conan. But I think like I feel like like Mahmoud because he hasn't had like a creator-owned work i mean he did he, he did dynamo five like back in the day but i mean like since he's been a well-known well-regarded like big name yeah, artist, yeah. Ma- Ma- mahmoud hasn't he hasn't capitalized on his work in that way yeah. right right yeah that's very true i would say I, I would say conan is a good example probably of i'd say he probably has more quote-unquote authorship over that book because he did it all right. you know his x-men runner he would do like five issues and then he was moved to, i mean some of that i think is down to like how Marvel put talent on books and they move them sure. out. My problem with Mahmoud for a long time was, what the fuck is he working on right now? I can't keep track because I keep putting him on this book and that book. Sure. Um, uh, to the degree that it, like, because, like, this is a separate thing, I, I guess, but, like, that can weaken your brand as an artist because what does it matter if you do a run on, if you, like, it's a reason I would avoid a certain book now. And if, like, say, hmm, like say I just got to do Hulk and I got to kind of own that with a one shot. Um, if I'd filled in on an issue of that, that wouldn't have mattered anything. But because right, if you were just the guy who filled in for Joe Bennett for an issue, it would be a yeah, a like, which has happened. Right? People have people have filled in on that book. Who yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. I know Gary Brown off the top of my head. I can't think of anybody else. But that's that's also kind of a problem. Um, 
I think working in creator owned stuff means that like you are you are see like say no one else is going to think of West of, of drawing Deadly Class. You know, that's the thing. Oh, no, for do. sure, right, right. No. Which right. is great. Um or like Teo Scalera on, on, on Black Science. Exactly. Like it was his They're business. so synonymous. Yeah. Now even at that, I'm sure it's gonna be recommenders black science to some people, you know, even though sure. one artist on every single and the mammoth task it takes to draw an issue every single month for years only to just basically be kind of, you know, phased, put it put in a in a in a memory box somewhere. Um that that drives me crazy. And it it, it sucks because you can spend your life building a body of work which you are not attached to, you know. Um, that sucks. And especially if you want to be a, an author, a, an artist, in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and all you have, to, if all you have here to your name is a bunch of kind of random trades, it's very hard to build a body of work. But, like, as a writer, you can be the guy who wrote Hellblazer. You know, you can be, mm. you know, rather than, you know, the creator of who was on that book as opposed to the person who drew some of those. I, I think it, it gets, it gets tough because of the month, you know, the nature of monthly comics, the overall laziness, a lot of us suffer from. Um, but I think a lot of it was propagated by comic book websites. And uh, I wouldn't say I actually, I mean, and, and this kind of reason why I don't really talk about it too much anymore is, is, is writers are actually really good. They were really good on this subject. Everybody kind of like stepped up and went, yeah, like, I think most writers know that if their book isn't drawn really well, it makes them look bad and it's in their interest to work with a really good artist, you know, um, yeah. a good artist elevates their script, a bad artist, you know, uh, kills them. So it's in their interest. Of course, they're going to speak, speak up for, for artists in that way. But, um, but yeah, I think it's just a lot of, um, I think it was, I feel like it's important for the longevity of, of, of artists who can get burnt out very, very fast. Um, sure. And work in a career for a decade or two um, that they're never really noticed for, maybe because of poor career choices on their part. I mean, you know, I'm not going to say like, artists make terrible decisions. Like, it's not like it. I, I think what happens a lot of this stuff is it's it's seen. Like I said, the reasons to like mention why this happens. It's not all evil. It's not evil people twirling mustaches. It's a lot of basically like cracks through a system, negligence, laziness, um, and sometimes artists making terrible decisions um, uh, in their own careers. It's a confluence of stuff. Um, and I just felt like we could all make a bit more efforts to kind of uh, just put, just, you know, push ourselves a little bit more. And, 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 and I think, I think it has, I'm not saying that, you know, I, I guess I changed the world, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, and you, you know, you, we, t I know we talked, meaning we, the three of us, we talked about it when you were back when it was kind of the hot button topic and said, uh, I think maybe it was Vince, Vince, your point that you said, you know, and it was right that when you're like writing about comics or even speaking about them on a weekly basis, reviewing them, inherently you're using words. And so like it is easy to fall into a trap of describing the plot of a book. And when you're talking about the plot inherently, it leads you to thinking about the writer. And it's a much more challenging thing, I think, particularly if you're not an artist, to speak it's not even intentional, but a lot of times you, I think at least years ago, I moved on the show a long time now, but years ago, it would sometimes be challenging to be able to give what you thought, what I thought was an effective um, uh, review of the art, right? Like, like it, now I feel comfortable doing it, but, but, but a decade ago, I don't know that I always did feel comfortable saying what made the art distinctive or, 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 or could comment about the, 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 you know, the, the panel layouts or the, 
or the the pacing and the choices that they made their line like I, that was a difficult that was a that was a more that was a, a language you had to learn particularly again if you weren't an artist yourself and I think that uh, if you do it long enough you can and should learn the language and then it becomes yeah, easier to, to be I mean, balanced but but like people that are writing for you know a lot of people like I know you and I had mutual friend and David Harper you know D- David obviously has spent a, a, the last decade doing great work writing and talking about comics. But like when you like when he started say at Multiversity or all these other guys that and women that started writing for review sites, like their job is to write lots of reviews and and largely they have to say I like this book because this stuff happens and the art was cool, like right, like it's a, like it's always like an yeah. add-on, like and I liked the art, like and and, I mean, and there, there's lots of like bad reviews like fans just put online and you know I think there's a problem in that you're right, like some people lack artistic training, so. Who are they to evaluate something? But, you know, people will do it for film, no problem. They'll talk about a director in a way they're not talking about the writer, you know. Um, I think everyone thinks they can write, so they feel that they can criticize it. Um, And maybe they don't, and they know that they can't draw, so they, you know, uh, feel less confident about it. I used to get in a lot of (laughs) problems with critics because I would kind of have a go at them for for making that same mistake and i mean you know an argument was like well we do this for free and you know and i completely understand that but uh you know i drew comics for free too till i understood the medium um if you're going to criticize a medium you should maybe try and understand it. i remember i once suggested people try and make a comic and they might understand how it's made uh, and i got a lot of um that got a lot of upset uh, replies and it's not to say you can't critic a comic unless you've tried making one but surely your critique would be more informed if you understood how something is made. You have people kind of complaining about, like, uh, Trump and Cap being uh, part of Hydra the month it came out and the election happened. I'm like, surely you'd know this book was made three months ago before any of this stuff. And maybe that would color your criticism if you understood that this was done in in a completely different context, you know? Uh, rather than people attributing context, um, say and and same with art. Like you can, you don't need to be able to criticize necessarily um, foreshortening. To you may not understand that, but like there are there are aesthetic choices made that come from both the writer and the artist. You don't know. I mean, you, you, sometimes it's interesting reading critique where someone's making the assumption that you did something that's much smarter than you did. That's always very interesting, <laughs> um, but. I think I think there was a, a lot of bad criticism at the time, um, and uh, people suggesting that maybe, you know, you should consider the art as well, instead of, uh, I don't know, maybe I've had a couple of drinks and getting a bit too um, too straight here, but like, I just, it's every, everybody was wanting to get angry about something at the time, including me because I was angry that this was going on, um, but it, it got messy. I, I didn't like that. I didn't like that how every time. I would bring up a specific example and I tried to give specifics because generalities don't necessarily help because people will always assume it's a thing that it's not. So you give a specific, but also you don't want to do pylons. It became very, very tricky to kind of like speak about this in a, in a grown up way without within an hour seeing all of comics, Twitter talk about writers versus artists, which was Mm -hmm. never ever the conversation, but would always go there. And like that's kind of why I don't really go on about it anymore. It's not because like you know I can have this conversation and clearly I still feel the same way, but talking about it on Twitter, I felt I was adding way more talk. Not that well, 
not that I was adding it, but definitely creating more of an avenue for in with which toxicity to breed. Right, right. And I was just getting so sick of it. Uh, and I, w- I wasn't like, I didn't like that something I was trying to do for good reasons was getting twisted into something that became so ugly where everyone was just fighting. And I felt if I just kind of laid off it, it would just, yeah. kinda, it would be a less toxic atmosphere. And it actually did seem to be the case. I also did for a while find myself looking for these things to complain about. Like uh, I, <laughs> I see, see a press release and, you know, it'd be like a director, uh, say Greg Rooker's whatever. I'd be like, sons of bitches, they didn't mention <laughs> whoever. And then I'd see, it was like, oh, no, wait, they actually did. Uh, I just missed it. And, but I'm angry. Uh, I'm already angry about it. And my blood's up. And where am I going to do with this anger? And I kind of realized, well, I'm just going to choke on it. Because, um, you know, when you're looking for, if you have a hammer, um, you want to you hit nails. If there's no more nails, you're going to look for something that looks like a nail to hit. And I didn't like that in myself. Um, I, I didn't like how I was triggering myself effectively for, you know, good reasons. But um, I thought it was bad for me and that I should kind of step back from it a bit, especially because, and like you guys, I saw people making that argument. My, my problem at first was I was I, not the only one, but I was one of the first making this argument, I guess, of somebody who's in the industry who maybe somebody was listening to for whatever reason. Um and I'm glad I did it, but I think I never wanted to be the person. I think it was actually Dave Harper asked me one time, he said, do you think that artists need, or creators need to have a brand outside of their work um, to get their stuff out there? And I was asking why he was asking me that. He's like, well, you know, like without cred with you. And I, I really didn't, I really didn't like that idea. Because, Thinking of that be right, being a brand that you were trying yes, to Yes, because I mean, yeah. I think people do do that. Absolutely. You know, um, and I didn't like that. That's what someone i'm not that i'm saying he thought i was doing yeah that, but yeah yeah i'm yeah. sure people, there were people who were and I, I wasn't really comfortable with that because i never wanted to be that guy and and i played up to it to a degree because people would make fun of me for it and that's fine i didn't mind i could take the joke but after a while you know i wasn't sure how much i was helping and i was seeing other people talk about it in constructive ways which is all i really wanted to happen right right you know what i mean so sure, I was absolutely glad to see, and, and i did so to answer your actual original question through that whole uh, rigmarole, I do think it's gotten better. I think it's very easy to get lazy. I mean, uh, I, I I think it's even hard talking about time before time because I'm working with Rory a lot, and that can end up talking about writers, not the artists. So I needed to make an extra step to make sure I'm always, you know, um, including including Joe. It's also really tough, actually, sometimes with someone like. Um, I was working with Phil on, on Savage Town. I'm talking about art, art crowd. And Phil is such a lovely, quiet guy. He doesn't really promote his stuff too much. So then, as a writer, I felt I was sucking up the attention for something, which I'm trying to point at the artist all the time. But ultimately, because I was more known and I was more like available, um, that stuff would get to me. So that's, that's tough. Working with a quiet artist is tough because it's hard to put your money where your mouth is. You know? I mean, we, we have found that a lot over the years, uh, Deck, where we have it's it's generally speaking much easier to get a a person that would identify as a writer to come on to do an interview or chat than it is an artist and, and again i'm making broad generalizations but i'm saying like it, it's it's definitely like let's say we have a list of i don't know 20 people we really love to chat with over the next year or two um it, you know if 10 of them are, are are people that generally make their livings writing comics and 10 generally make their livings drawing comics and don't do both like like someone like yourself does 
I can say that we'll get eight of the ten writers to say yes. That we'll we'll be lucky to get five of the artists to say yes. I mean, I, I think I think artists are tend to be a little bit more introverted. Um, sure, a lot yeah. of them tend to not want you know they want the art to speak for itself, which I appreciate, but I don't think I think I don't think that happens. Um, I think, I mean, you know, the most successful work art in the world isn't the best art. It's the art that got seen and appreciated and paid for. You know, evil um, is example of that <laughs> your yeah your your examples may vary um yeah and it was something that i certainly thought is like i if i want to have more control over my own career i need to own my work more sure. part of that was the, is, is maybe how i pr- you know promote stuff but um but you know writing my own work is a great way to own it more um and that that's definitely it was a conscious move on my part um and i think a lot of artists are very uncomfortable doing that yeah um a lot of I think it's something we all forget is uh, all comic book fans and readers are weirdos. And uh, (laughs) some of us are more socialized than others. But, you know, if you've got somebody who works in the room all day long and drawing all the day, and also it's just so time consuming drawing, you know, um, some people don't have the time or they don't really have the confidence to talk about their, their, their work in that way. So, you know, but case in point, that's, it's something that's an an inconvenient truth because, you know, you should say all artists should get all the attention for the work that they do. Some actively hide from it, you know, which really sucks when you're trying to get them more credit for the work that they do. Yeah. But, you know, it happens. Um, and um, it's, yeah, that's why it's not it's not black and white. It's why like, the writers versus artists thing is, is, a, is a stupid argument, which I wish people would stop having because it's one stupid, two not remotely helpful. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, I think art credit is, I viewed as, as we've alluded, I think it's, the art credit discussion is much different than, uh, are artists or writers more important or better? That That's a totally different conversation. And, and to, to, I think we would all agree on this. It's, it's a stupid Yeah, I mean, what makes comics is amazing, and, and the art form while we're also obsessed about it, is that it's this amazing amalgamation of the two. It's the, it's the right, it's it's this crazy confluence where the some of the, you know, the constituents create something far greater than their individual talents, and that's that's what's amazing about the art form. So, uh, one one thing, you know, I think about when, when of course, you, you, I don't know if you if you wear that banner, but but it's like you, I think certainly people identify you as like, uh, not only an, an artist and a great creator, but, but Irish. And I feel like when we met you, there weren't many, at least I couldn't think of many, like active, well-known Irish comic creators, at least here in the States. And I feel like subsequent, you know, in the last 10, 12 years, that has changed. And like, you know, Artist Alley, I go to Artist Alley, I see Nate Stockman and Owen Marin and, you know, and, and, and Kean Tormey and, and, you know, people like Stephen Mooney and, and PJ Holden and all these guys, like, like, I feel like the, the, the Irish comic scene has, has, has crossed the, the chasm. And I wonder if, if, um, well, would you agree? But also, like, do you take any small ownership in that, like helping to make that happen? Like, I know Owen was your your intern, so I mean, certainly you can stake some claim to him. And I know Nate thinks very highly of you and looks up to you. So I'm <laughs> curious if you. Oh no, it's true. It's true, though. Well, at least he claims it's true. But like, do do you, do you take any mo- like modest ownership in that? Well, I'm very modest, as you know. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't possibly say. Um, I don't know, like um, I don't know. Um, I'd like to think so, but if I if I said as much, um, anybody who is Irish would would instantly <laughs> just say I'm a wanker. Um, I would say that I think um, uh, well, when I was starting out, there was uh, myself and Stephen Mooney were kind of coming up together, and 
sorry, Will Sliney. I don't know what I said there. Um, uh, me and Will Sliney were, were coming together. And Stephen Mooney was ahead of me, basically. And he got me my first job. And now he likes to constantly remind me of that. Um, that uh, uh, I, uh, he got me my first job and that I owe him. Um, I felt that we were kind of coming up behind Mooney and, and through however, whatever happened or whatever confluence events, myself and Will kind of broke it at Marvel and, and did really well. And um, in the same way, say, my generation of Irish um, artists, which would be Mooney and um, Nick Roach and um, Stephen Thompson, uh, Will as well, we uh, we kind of came up, we were kind of, I mean, there, was, there was other people before, there was like guys like um, Dermot Power and uh, Killian Plunkett, um, who didn't really stick around the comics, they were amazing, they did great stuff for the Dark Horse, but, um, but we, me, me and Will kind of, I think, made a name for ourselves, and then the generation below us saw us, and once they saw that Egypt's like us could manage it, maybe they could too. Like when I met Nate, he was the sweetest, sweetest fella. So nice. And now I think, I think like he's actively trying to sabotage my career. Um, <laughs> 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 he's a nice boy with a portfolio. But um, I, I, do, I, I do know that like when I was a kid and I saw that Garrett Dennis and John McRae were doing comics, for me, that was like, oh my God, that's that's insane. Like Irish people are doing comics. Now, I, I actually, I'm not sure. I, I think maybe maybe Garrett and John would say they're British, not Irish, because they're from the north. But even at that, somebody from our isle, island actually, you know, right. uh, was doing stuff. And um, PJ Holden too. Like once you saw people from your own kind of background doing it, um, you know, that's why I think you know representation does matter because it opens the door for you to see yourself in places where you may not have thought of. Um, now, in reality, it's really only your preconception doing that. I, I don't think I think we put maybe too much importance on on, on being seen in a way of, of making it happen, but it definitely has an effect. And um, I think, yeah, if it's a case that mattered to me when I was a kid, I can see somebody who's younger than me, um, like seeing somebody actually make it happen will encourage you to, to, to push it in. And it is crazy the amount of Irish talent in, in mainstream comics now. Um, I'm trying to think... Uh, uh, I can't think of a single Irish person right now. Uh, well, no, like Ed Mooney's been doing great with the, like Half Past Danger and Black Widow and Nick with Scarenthood and Transformers over the years, Will and Star Wars and Spider Man and Nate on Spider Man and um, I'm trying to think, Trina Farrell coloring lots of books of Marvel. Yeah, I mean, Keen Tormy just did a bunch Tormey, of books. Yeah. Uh, like, like to the point now, man, where like so I just forgot about Keen. So, like, there's uh, Stephen Byrne. Um, you know all these uh chris o'halloran and oh uh, owen i mean owen you know you're ah, you're screw him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> owen as well i mean that, that, it's it, that's i mean yeah owen's someone i actively tried to like yeah um, uh, uh train in as best i can and, and and he's been doing great work like um there's i mean there's no real academy to make this happen but i i think i think there's been a really good creative community here and we've all supported each other. Like I said, Mooney got me my first job. I got Will his first job. Um, we all try to help each other out, especially when you're doing good work. That that, that helps. But um, um, it's it's been great. Even Mooney did a Kickstarter for his Half Past Danger, and like he got some friends to do some short stories. And the fact that we're all working on these big projects and we're able to just do this kind of little mini project for our friends, create our own book was pretty cool, you know, um, and shows you kind of how far, and uh, down to the colorists, you know, uh, it was Trina, Trina Farrell colored the whole thing, and now she's off to, you know, she's doing stuff with Marvel and whatever else, 
it's um it's amazing how I can pick an Irish creator and we're talking about like world class books these days in a broad sense. You know, it's 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 nuts. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, the three of us all adored Immortal Hole Flatline. I mean, we spent a, pretty much a whole whole episode talking about it, really. Um, and and I think the thing that fascinates me about that is like, you know, well, first of all, you, you wrote and drew it, but it's like, you know, you talk about making your mark on something, and and I find it probably not coincidental that Immortal Hulk, it, it is to me, it's so distinctive. There have been some great Hulk runs, but what what Alan and Joe have done, and I know there have been other people that have had a hand, but I'm as the two two main forces behind it. You know, it's been so it, stunning. In, in, screw in, our crap. <laughs> no, but but it's been so stunning in the sense that it's 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 so so such a different take on a character that we've all been reading for so long, and sometimes that can go wrong. That can go sideways, right? Because we all get caught up in continuity and like, well, that's not our version of the character. Um, but it was so incredibly impressive because it is almost like an indie comic featuring the Hulk. It's this crazy, wildly creative horror comic. And the point there is that I mean, I mean, they deserve tons of credit for that. But but the point there is that it's fascinating to me that two creators stepped in to do one shots, yourself and Jeff Lemire, who both I think are you know adept at writing and drawing. And I wonder, like, when you like, how did that come about? Only because I think that's like a daunting thing because Immortal Hulk to me has such a, like it is so distinctively identifiable with those two men. So it's like it's it's pretty ballsy to do a one shot in that realm, uh, and, and and I think the thing that we were we were impressed about it from from many angles. But the thing I think we really appreciated was that it was Immortal Hulk. You know, it wasn't just like the Hulk under the Immortal Hulk banner, your your version. But it was such a unique story. And even talking about it now, I vividly remember the issue, and it's it's a one shot I'm going to remember for a long time. So like. Like when you're taking on something like that, was it just like the editor said, "Hey, do you want to do something in this universe?" Or did you have such an appreciation for their take that you said, "I'd I'd love to contribute"? I just I'm always wondering like how those little one-off things that don't really don't have like a clear commercial drive to them, like how do they come about? Um, uh, well, well, thank you um, for all that. That's 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 always so nice to hear. Um, with um, that, I. But I'm trying to remember. To remember now, I I think I was working on something that I was gonna get onto image about, and I figured before I did that, I might just check in with Will Moss because he's an editor I really respected. Marvel. Um, I mean, he's edited books like um, Squirrel Girl, Vision, um, Immortal Hulk, um, the Thor, the Thor books for the last few years. Like he's just an amazing editor, and um, he's actually the editor at Marvel who first got me to write. Um, I wrote and drew a Nick Fury, Nick Fury serial for um, the Choosing Sides anthology, and it was him who came to me as I wanted to write and draw something, and I'll, never, I'll always appreciate that. Um, so I've always wanted to go do something with Will, and so I just thought I'd give him just a shout, just because normally I'm busy, and because of COVID had basically kind of shuffled any plans I had out the door, I thought, I'm just going to check in and see. You know, no harm, no foul. And so I, got, I just said to Will, I, was like, I don't know if you have any interest, but like, uh, you know, I'd like to do something together, but, uh, but you know, no, no problem if you can't. And um, he straight away said, hey, I've got this Hulk one shot because I knew I knew the Lemire and Del Mundo one had come out, um, but I didn't know they were doing more of them. <clears throat> so it turns out they had this they had this one shot with nobody attached to it. So he asked if I have any interest. And 
I had just read the first two trades, I think, of Mortal Hulk. I was late on it. I, I wasn't reading it the whole time. But I had just read the first two, and I really liked it. Um, and I thought that would be a really cool... Uh, I, I just I just really liked... I, I always liked the Hulk, but I, I was never an avid reader, to be honest. But I really liked what they did with the book because it's this kind of Jekyll and Hyde aspect to it, the themes about death, and, you know, how they've made it a heart, basically. My, my favourite superhero comics or superhero comics that are something else like you know um x-men is a sci-fi comic and daredevil is a crime comic you know i I like those kind of the way they integrate genres into the superhero genre it's always more interesting to me and mortal hulk was a was a a horror comic um and it wasn't really until i sat down and kind of thought about i realized that it very much suited the kind of tone of story i like to tell um you know i wanted to do something that was like I love one shots, but like you know, it's and 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 it was an interesting brief because it had to be set during the first trade, basically, uh, where Bruce is kind of just on the road, which was so evocative of the original of, of the old TV show, which you know I think I mentioned earlier, I saw it as a kid. So it was it was a nice way to plug into the core of a Hulk comic under the under the banner of what the current Hulk comic is, which is much more aligned with my own kind of sensibilities of like. Uh, you know, emotional stories and kind of, um, you know, terrifying things and elements of body horror. Um, it just, it just, of all the times I do a Hulk one shot, it was, it, it suited really well. And, um, yeah, it was a great opportunity to kind of tell a done in one story under, you know, under that larger mythology that Al and, um, Joe had built and, um, uh, just do something that was just kind of challenging in, in numerous ways, which was I had, I had not written and drawn a one shot. Um, uh, I, I love the format, so it was great to try that. And, and I also stepped up by coloring it as well. That was kind of something I've been wanting to try. So it was a nice opportunity to kind of experiment and get paid to do it too, which is always nice. Um, and, you know, things were weird after COVID, so it kind of gave me something to kind of really channel a lot of that kind of weirdness through, which uh, which worked out really nicely. Uh, you spoiled us during the uh, process of Immortal Hulk Flatline by putting your uh, roughs up on the socials, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I, I, I like doing that. I was trying to wait a while and let people actually buy it first. Otherwise, I'm just giving away the whole story. But um, yeah, I, I like I like process stuff like that. So I always um, uh, yeah, I like sharing it. I think it's I, I'd be, I'd be interested if other artists did that more. I not a lot to it, but uh, whenever I do, it, people seem to really like it. Um, well, uh, speaking just for me, I loved it. And uh, I told the guys when you put them up, I said, how do we get him to do an entire book in the style of the roughs? Like, uh, particularly the the double-page big man spread. Yeah. Uh, I, I, oh, so gorgeous. Oh, well, that, 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 well thank you. Um, but I'm not, I'm not sure if it'll work. I, a few people have said that to me, but um, those work as layouts, but um, once you kind of get in more... There's a lot of nuance that you can't get in layouts like that. Um, they're also very rough. They're technically inaccurate, you know. Um, it's not until you're actually penciling stuff where you realize, oh, well, this person's actually much bigger, you know. Um, it, it isn't, it, it's not as much of a concern in the roughs because you don't see it. But once, once these things start being fleshed out into real environments, a lot of adapting needs to be done. Um, I, I like the look of it. I just, I think I'd need a story that suited it. Don't get me wrong. Um, if I could do a story that took a week <laughs> and do, just do it at that level, um, sure, that'd be great. I'm just not convinced it'd actually work um, if I was going to tell, 
like I couldn't just do that and put in the letters from Immortal Hulk, you know what I mean? But um, but I do think it would be possible to do a story, maybe a silent story, um, in that format. Um, it's definitely back in my mind. I just yeah, I, I don't think it's something you could just do easily. I think it would need to be specifically for the the thing that it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I just I I think you may be making it a little bit more complex than it needs to be. I yeah, want I this book now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I the three you'd have three. Not not that that's enough to make a dent, but the three of us would would buy your layout book. Without yeah, I'll but just I charge a thousand. Well, it's okay. I, okay, it. perfect. Yeah, I have to say, it it I I agree with you that it wouldn't it couldn't be something along the lines of um, a property where the audience is already built in. Like you couldn't do a a, a super rough Amazing Spider Man one shot. It just wouldn't work. But I think if you had a very particular story to tell uh, that lended itself to uh, a rough, unfettered, uh, organic, yeah, it would definitely work for the Hulk, right? But I'm just saying. I'm saying no, but but a Hulk versus Thing book. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, but the the thing the thing wouldn't be made of rocks. He'd just be an orange block. You know? Oh, that's okay, though. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's, well, but, I mean, I mean, I, I know, I, I appreciate the. Uh, I mean, it, it, it sucks because of the way Twitter compresses things. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm messing around with um, in Procreate with digital ink. So when I see you or any other artist throwing up pencils, I, I, I snatch them so I can, I can try okay. to mess around with it. So I, I, I appreciate. I love. I mean, I. I love the process stuff to begin with but certain artists i really really enjoy seeing the work before we get no, the no, finished product i mean same here i mean that's why i'm that's why i've been doing the the kickstarter for um the the process book for time before time because i like seeing all that stuff and i love joe's stuff and i I'm, I'm doing a whole thing about like how i do covers and things um you know one of the it's that's kind of that like i was saying with the other stuff as an experiment is if if that can do well then maybe I could do like a book of layouts. Like the, the, I don't think I could do, I, again, I think that would be an experiment. It would be, it would be a hard thing to sell through the direct market. I, I'm not, these kind of more art, art centric projects, I think are quite niche. And um, they don't, they're hard selling in, in something like the direct market or the book market. Um, if I was to do something like, like a book, like an original story, it'd just be in that kind of layout size. I don't think it could be comic size. I think it would, I think if you blew it up too big, it would look shoddy. Um, unless you disagree. Um, but but like I said, as I, I think there, I think there's a way to do it. I just don't think it could willy nilly be any layouts for any story. Uh, I think I would need to write to the f- not style because it's not necessarily about style. I don't think it'd be drawn that way. It's just um, there's there's things you'd be missing from from that format that you would I need to make sure that I'm not writing into. I'm not sure if I'm making any sense. Yeah, you are. Okay, I'm not. I'm, I'm well, Vince this. loves the chaotic <laughs> and the raw. Raw. I mean, that's, that's yeah. Only two. Look, for, for years, guys. For years, anyone who saw my layouts, like, like <laughs> some friends of mine are like, I much prefer your layouts. <laughs> so, like, it's not something where I think uh, it, it, there wouldn't be any appeal. I, I mean, if I just got every layout, if the book layouts of every book I ever did, and threw them in a book, I wonder if that would have any appeal. Um, uh, I, I'd like to see it, but again, I'm, I'm I'm slightly biased in that, and I I'm also not the everyday consumer. Nor are you. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you guys are. You aren't, but um, not everybody wants to read a, a 
a book like that. So I, I, I'm not convinced it would do well, but sure, I, I won't know till I try. And I would like to try, to be honest. Something to look forward to. Yeah, man. Yeah. Let it all hang out. That's right. <laughs> well, you mentioned the Kickstarter a couple of times, so let everybody know what that's about. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, uh, a, a proper plug. Um, yeah, so there's the New Time for Time book that's coming out on May 12th, but I'm currently in the middle of doing a Kickstarter for a process edition of the book, which is a 48-page black-and-white um magazine i guess um which kind of like interview with me and rory about co-writing like all the stuff you guys are asking about we kind of get into seeing some of joe's layouts which are really actually they're really interesting because his layouts are basically his pencils which is kind of cool to see um and we're do and one of the tiers on the kickstarter is kind of a is a bigger full color book um which will have like uh color process by chris and things like that it's just something i, I know i'd love to see for me it's like you'll see extras in the back of a trade and you're like, Oh, those were cool. I wish there was more, but it's not, it's not fiscally possible to do that because, you know, you'd end up with half a, with a, with a trade that's half extras. Um, and you know, it'd be really expensive to make. So I thought it'd be a better way to kind of like dig into the extras more and actually show the whole process of the idea of co-writing, drawing, coloring, lettering, um, design even as well. Um, and yeah, I figured, it would be a good way to do it on Kickstarter because like I said, I think it's a niche audience. So I think that if it could do well with that niche audience, that would create a space for me to do like a layout book next year or something. Um, uh, Cause I think anything else would need to be too, you know, I'd need to be do like, like I don't see how I could do a book of layouts through image, for example, if the, if it's, if it's got my Hulk layouts in there, you know, I just don't see uh, how, yeah. Yeah. how that could be done so um so again it's an this is also an, this is also an experiment to do something that is more um you know art book material which i think people who like my stuff do do seem to like the process stuff so i guess i, I figured i'm going to try and make a book that is literally all process stuff and see how that uh, that does um, and it's, it's been funded so it's, it's been put together but um the more the more um the, ple- the amount pledge amount goes the the so at the moment it's forty-eight page black and white, and there's a collector edition that's full color. If I get it to a certain place, I'll be able to afford to make the whole book for everybody, full color, sixty-page book. Um, so yeah, again, an, an experiment, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. I am looking forward to my head sketch, sir. So I oh, I you down for that? Yes, sir. Oh, nice one, nice one. Yeah, I'll have to sit. I'll have to sit down for a week now and do all those. But um, uh, uh, I mean, it is interesting. Like, I, I think basically people are just paying for the head sketch, not the book. But you know, it's fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. Um, hey, it's a, it's a win-win, right? Yeah, I think so. You know, um, but uh, I'll, I'll get I'll get onto you and figure out to find out what character you actually want. I'm going to do no all that. No problems. Yeah, answering. yeah. But, so, um, so our, our our mutual friend David Harper uh, had Frank Quitely on his show recently, and Frank said something that um, that that I I, I found fascinating because like I feel like. When you interview artists that you don't know personally, like one of the questions that always gets asked is like, "Oh, who are your influences?" You know, and uh, and and quietly, I don't remember the context of how they started talking about that, but quietly said something pretty cool. He's like, "Well, you know, I'm gonna like I'm, I'm I've been around a while. I'm I'm getting older, and I find that when you're young, people ask you who your influences are." He said, "But now that I've gotten to a certain point in my life in my career, I feel like it's not about who's who 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 are my influencers, but it's who inspires me." You know, because I, I get inspired by other people's art all the time. And I thought, like, that's pretty cool because I think, like, that's a better way to frame it, like, who inspires you. So 
I guess I would ask you because I mean, you know, there are some creators out there that don't really read comics, but but you're not one of them. So so who who's out there inspiring you these days? Like who who are you seeing putting down lines and you're like, that's fucking awesome. That's a good question, Frank Whiteley. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, that is good because I find whenever someone asks my 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 the, you know inspirations, I, I my brain shuts down and I I just kind of resort to um, stock answers. Um, so allow me to do the same with this one, though. <laughs> um, who's inspiring me? I mean, I think um, th- things are inspiring for different reasons. I mean, JP is one of my influences, but, but like he is also one of my inspirations. Just like the, he's such a nice, nice man, ridiculously talented, and you know, dignified, <laughs> which I'm definitely not. Um, there's definitely people who I respect. Uh, you know, actually, say Todd McFarlane actually has been someone who's kind of become one of those. I've, I've actually never really been. A, I've, I'm not of the age where I was reading his stuff when I was a kid, so um, I was never a big art, fan of his art the way that a lot of people my age would be. Um, but I was watching those documentaries that came out there last year and the year before about like what you know what he did with images, how he something he made. Um, with the talking creators into doing what they did and then making a company where the artists own what they have, I think is incredible. Uh, and I have so much respect for that. Um, that's crazy. Um, uh, that's, that, that's been around my, my mind lately. Um, but there's definitely guys like, um, like, like I think Chip um, is someone who I know Chip is his thing and um, he's ridiculously charming and funny, but like uh, the quality of his work and how much he, how seriously he takes it and the control he has over it is something that uh, I've definitely noticed and I'm trying to do about my own work. Um, like I find that my interests, my interests are specific, but my appreciation is broad and there's creators who do things that I don't do, but I respect what they do. You know, uh, it isn't for me, but um you know they've built an audience and they've they've built good work, uh, and and you know create opportunities for other people. I, I that's that's something I you know it's part of why I'm doing the book with Rory and um, and uh, and Joe. It's part of why I kind of um, did did the internship for with with, with Owen. Um, there's people who do good work and try build something. Um, uh, I I just think is really. Uh, you know, I think we need more of it in comics because there's only really two co- corporations which pay most people, um, and smaller ones that keep other people going, and creator-owned ones who get to really invest in themselves in a way. And uh, I've been I've been trying to do that for the last few years, um, uh, and outside of people just doing good work, I mean that that's number one. I just want to be a good you know, artist, uh, writer, artist, whatever you, a good creator, um, and, you know, create opportunities for other people to do good work is always really rewarding. Um, so I, I, it's guys like that, people like that who are kind of building their own thing, but also kind of, um, expanding it out towards others. I, I really, I just have a lot of respect for. I think I, think I just said chip there. That can't be right. I can't just respect chip. <laughs> 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 that's that, that's just not possible. But I, I think I'm blanking again on, on specific examples um, because it, it all be. I mean, there's there's craft. All those things are things I'm obsessed with. But um, but uh, you know, there's so much talent out there. But there's people who don't know how to use it, and there's people who don't know how 
to handle things and um i uh that, that's always something i've been involved in so so you know guys who don't like the way kirkman's built a company and the way um uh i i've kind of respect for things like that that i wouldn't have when i was a younger creator which i was always just only really thinking about like how good the art was sure sure yeah no that makes sense that makes sense or like Hickman's a good example too like with, with what he's done with the x-men which is you know something i'd you know just to do what he's done is so exciting i'd love to do it but also he's built up a line of books you know that are entertaining and brought on people who you wouldn't think of and um i, I think we need more we need more i think what's great about comics now is there's a lot more people getting those type of opportunities that would never happen otherwise i, I think it's exciting well listen if if you happen to check in with uh, Hickman and Will, and and you get the inkling for another, you know, one shot. If if Lords know the world could use like a nice Domino Phantom X book by Declan, I think you know. The, <laughs> it's like I, I do. I do like the, somebody was asking if I do another character. I do like the idea of just doing random one shots, uh, that and, and then collect them all somewhere. That would be cool. But yes. um, uh, but yeah, who knows? But uh, I'm, I'm not complaining. I, I've got enough on my plate now, that is both, you know exciting and rewarding I, like even like say i'm doing a, a year of work of work for hire but i'm going to be really happy to work on those books while yeah. also having like i said investing in something like time before time with with the you know i i, I hope rory and joe start well not joe because he's got to draw the book but um when joe comes off time before time he's a rock star you know for sure yeah i mean and and, and on that note we have taken it is it is the wee hours in your in your neck of the woods. So uh, my my third can. So time means nothing. There we go. There we go. Um, well, first of all, it, it is uh, absolutely a a uh, indefensible crime that it took uh, this long to have you on the show. But I'm I think uh, we are certainly stoked to finally have you on for a proper chat because you know you are one of our favorites and we do always love seeing you at the shows and like you said, hopefully 2022 and beyond, we'll get back to that routine at a minimum once or twice a year of doing that. So um, I may be drunk in the con. Nice. <laughs> nice. And, uh, time before time. And when we give it our, our highest recommendation, I hope it's a smash success for you guys. Hope it goes oh, on thanks. for, for uh, years. Thanks. thanks for all the kind words. I really appreciate it. And, and yeah, it is, it is crazy. It's taken this long, but, uh, I, I hope it was worth the wait. Oh, absolutely, man. Oh, and so, sure. uh, thank you so much for coming on and, uh, we will, uh, we will chat soon. Sorry, I just drank some of my can. <laughs> this, is only, this, this is the only this is the only interview I've done where I'm actually drinking. Um, so it's a it's a it's new territory for all of us. Um, but right. no, thanks, thanks so many guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you got it, man. Have a great night. Is your head spinning? It should be because that was a lot of information. That was yep. that was a uh, a data dump. Facts. Yep. Yeah, but I love that. I love when, um, and he says he's he's not humble. Uh, I, I think he's just uh, honest about what he does and 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 what he, and 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 how he does it, and he's not afraid to to convey that information. A lot of guys they couch whatever uh, they do in in this this uh, I don't even know how to put it. There's a, there's like a, a wall between the people they talk to where they're playing this game, and they they think they have to. To, to frame it in a way that is acceptable for whatever, like a media outlet and stuff. Declan just, he just talked. He goes, yeah, didn't make much money, but I love doing it. And you're like, that's awesome. That's what you need. Doesn't play the game. I like that a lot. That's true. Yeah. Candor. Candor's uh, special. You don't always get uh, a candid uh, 
dialogue these days. Which you don't. Uh, no, no. But anyway, so uh, yeah, that was uh, just too much, too much good stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. we thank Declan, and he'll be back. He, we'll have him back. Of course. Yeah. Like he said, hopefully not thirteen years later. Well, he said 11 because... He did, because he doesn't know how long we've been around. But No, but he's been doing it for... I don't think he's been doing it for more than 13, has he? Well, he started at Marvel June of... Te- June of last year was his 10-year anniversary. So there you go. So, yeah. yeah. He did... Uh, I mean, we. I think we first became aware of him with 28 Days Later. Right. Which and I, was, which I do was, believe it was Chris that... Yes. That, oh that, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but twenty eight days later came out in July two thousand nine through February two thousand ten. I was thinking so, yeah. about Chris the other day. Yeah. Well, yeah. he says hi because I spoke to him uh, Tuesday. No, um, I had uh, I had reached out to him when because um, Parker, uh, Parker died. died. Yeah. So uh, a couple days later, he um, he gave me a call. So we were just we were just catching oh. up. So he says hi. What he can't call me. <laughs> Did you reach out to him? I, I don't honest. reach out to anybody. You guys are exactly. lucky I reach out to you. Am I right? Am I right? But so you were thinking about him the other day. Well, I was just thinking about him the other day, not because of anything that I knew, like his dog died, right. which I did not know. I was just just you know going over some stuff in in my head, and it's you know I just kind of miss him a little bit. That's all. That's all. That's it. Thanks. He asked. He did ask if we were coming out to Chicago for C two E two in in December. I was like, "That's hilarious." I'm like, "Dude, I can freeze my own ass off at in New York." If well, I you say to that yeah. we're going to Seattle. I know we're going to Seattle. Right. I know we're going to Seattle. I know it's it's it's, it's Pacific Northwest. I get that. But <laughs> say, like, it's, we're going far. We're going much further north than we would be if we were going to Chicago. Yeah. What you should have said is, you know, we we we're not fans of freezing our ass off and eating shit pizza. Well, yes, that's true. <laughs> I don't want to go through the whole pizza thing, especially since you know now he's in he's in Milwaukee. But uh, it's it's. I would um, guess the pizza has improved. Eh. Oh well, yeah, maybe, maybe. But I, yes, I, I know, I understand. We're going to Seattle in December, early December. I'm sure Chicago during the holidays is beautiful. I love Chicago without a doubt. It's, it's, it is a great city, but an opportunity to go to a con we've never been to before in a city I've never been to before. Um, outweighs me being fucking cold in Chicago. Again, I know I'm sure I'll be cold in Seattle, but, and, and now, now, now I'm wondering, you know, fuck it. Cause we could have fire cakes. Well, I will. I have some encouraging news. Uh huh. Seattle, as I was right, Seattle is, is is significantly more north than Chicago. However, however, it's still the west. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's doing anything, but okay. Um, but uh, however, the average temperature in Seattle, Washington, uh, in December is forty-one degrees. Versus, you want to take a guess? Chicago versus twenty-eight. I was going to say 22. Versus 30. Hmm. So it's 11 degrees warmer on average in Seattle in December. Yeah. yeah. And But this is not we're 95 years old. Like, why are we worrying about temperature? You just put a jacket on. I only worry because we got to fly across country, so we don't want the weather to keep us from flying 
but uh, I guess. But yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, once we're there, it can keep us from flying home. That's cool. Yeah. And Chicago has, on average, thirty. December, sorry. In December, Chicago has on average twenty three point six days below thirty two degrees, whereas Seattle only has seven days. Yeah, so, that's huh? interesting. You know what's more interesting though? What? Comics. What you read? Comics. Yeah, comics sure. are comics are great. Uh, but before we talk about what we read, uh, I want to remind everyone about our sponsor and the awesome deals that you could find there. And where is their discount? Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Get your books, get them fast, get them delivered straight to your door from Vault. It's Barbaric, number one, $1.99. From Behemoth, it's Motherfuckers, number one, for $3.29. Now, that's 45% off the five ninety nine cover price. And from Image, Vinyl, number one, six-issue miniseries, the first issue of which will cost you $1.99. DCBService.com. Do you hear that knock at your door? What is that? Ah, it's my books. Ah, joy of joys. But anyway, uh, in your travels, I mentioned Vault comics before, and I'm going to mention them again. I implore you to read. This is issue three. Uh, so I, I read issues two and three of Giga. This is written by Alex Packnadel with art by John Lay. And the colorist is Rosh. Uh, I think I talked about this before. But um, just in case you need a little bit of a brush up. Uh, the world of Giga is one in which giant robots, giant massive mechs, um, had this war, um, and uh, the outcome of which is all of the mechs went dormant. So they, they effectively become part of the landscape. There's giant, massive robots and the cities that sprouted up in their vicinity. So they're landmarks. They're also deities because... Um, uh, many people have adopted um, the the giant mechs as a, a religion of sorts. During the the course of the series, you get snippets from uh, something called the Book of Assembly, and it's holy scripture pertaining to these giant robots and uh, who they are, what they were, what they brought to the planet, what they would have you. Uh, believe and uh, so there are some groups like I said that worship the the giant robots and there are some groups called the dusters that abhor technology and and want to eliminate it at all costs and and in this mix um, you get this young man named Evan uh, a double amputee who's very proficient with artificial intelligence, so much so that he uh, creates one of his own and houses it in a body, uh, a female robot body called Laurel. Um, and he is sucked into this, um, I guess it's a mystery? Yeah, because uh, someone 
has effectively terminated a giga. And that is verboten. And so they're trying to figure out who did it. Uh, and Evan is brought in to create uh, a, uh, a link, uh, a mechanical uh, piece of software, hardware, wetware, um, that, that um, enables someone to uh, bond with this dead giga or, uh, or at least find out information about who actually terminated it. And he doesn't get to do it, which is very fortunate for him because the guy that actually does, uh, not nice things happen to him. But I think it's a wonderful series, uh, dense as hell. Um, the art is in the Simon Roy, um, dagger, mm. dagger, dagger kind of, uh, uh, aesthetic. It's, it's very clean line. Uh, but it has a, a very strong indie edge to it, of course, because it is from Vault Comics. The the, the mechs are just amazing. It, it's a great little series. Uh, there's been a uh, somewhat of a delay. I think there was a long time between issues one and two or issues two and three, but whatever. But there's been three of them to date. Uh, I, I would suggest you scoop them all. It's wonderful stuff. Uh, it's not a quick read either. So Giga. By uh, Pacnadal Lay Arash from Vault Comics. Keep an eye on Vault. The Vault. Uh, in your travels, um, I finished the, I guess, one arc and started another. I was catching up on the Al Ewing. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. I say Al because, um, of course, this volume started off with Juan Cabal on on art. Then you had a couple of um, fill-ins by uh, like uh, Marcia Tzcara, um and uh, and Cabal came back to finish his run and to get twelve number thirteen. Uh, Al continues the story with um, Juan uh, Fraguri on uh, on art. And early on in the series, Peter Quill seemingly died, sacrificed himself, blew up, went boom. Um, But apparently he didn't. And in the issues leading up to number 12... We find out what Peter's actually been doing. He was gone for over a century. He was living in another universe, and um, he uh, he, he's, he is he's basically his his name, his code name, his outlaw name is is more literal now. Now, now he is kind of a Star Lord because of his element gun, and um, it's uh, it's pretty much um, unstoppable. But he comes back. The Guardians kind of um, have to come together to take on the Dark Olympians that were again at the beginning of uh, of this series. There was there was a uh, there wasn't much of an Empire tie-in. There was some Empire fallout. Uh, there was a whole council dealing with um, Hulkling being on the throne and whatnot. But uh, so there wasn't much in the way of that. But there was. Uh, unfortunately a king in black um tie-in which which was basically which was one issue 
and and it kind of just they were able to um do away with the the symbiote that was that they had to mess with they took care of that and then they just they they, they had to kind of stay away from earth because they didn't want the dark olympians to follow them to earth so they figured you know earth is on its own dealing with the rest of null and his nonsense so when the series ended basically what i'm getting at is in, in your travels maybe check out guardians of the galaxy number 13 um the art by uh Fredrieri is 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 real nice um his style's different than cabal not 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 that no Juan's work was bad it just it 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 um kind of wasn't what i what i want in in a guardians book it told the story well enough but it wasn't it didn't have um the oomph i was i was kind of looking for it in, in my cosmic stories but uh number 13 which if you're going by legacy numbers is number 175 uh i i dig this direction um the uh the guardians for the most part um consist of quill uh nova which is, is richard Ryder, uh drax um the quasar is here but wendell vaughn actually trades places with um with uh oh shoot what is her um i'll find it she the 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 shield agent she she's mostly quasar in this issue but philovella is here and moon dragon but i i really thought that um that number 13 was a real neat jumping on point it's kind of like almost what i would have wanted ewing's and cabal's first issue to be like this is what i kind of wanted in a Guardians of the Galaxy issues book. So if you weren't keen on on what Ewing was doing before with the first 12 issues, give number 13 a shot because um I uh it looks great, but I think I think folks kind of will uh will dig the story. It it's a um it's a funky team and and uh and for that I'm I'm here for it. There's there's um there's of course some drama being held over from from the previous series, especially with Gamora and things like that. But overall, um, I thought it was a real good start. I it's I don't want to say it's weird since Ewing was writing the first twelve issues, so it's not like it's it's a brand new creative team. It, it's just so it's he, he's still picking up where he was putting down before it's just but but it does it, it does feel like a fresh new take so um if 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 you bailed before come back and 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 try this one i would uh i i recommend it and um i'm i'm gonna stick with it for now i am intrigued i always give the guardians a chance but yeah. uh i've been a little lax lately with it so all right duly noted um in your travels i'm gonna shout out a a fellow a a colleague of vince's a colleague vince is a a brother at least it's right um in your travels check out post york which is a new graphic novel from the burger books imprint at dark horse burger books of course being longtime vertigo helmswoman Karen Berger, she's got a new, a new, got a new joint, new awning set up at uh, Dark Horse, and this is uh, her latest that she has uh, 
deemed worthy of her imprint. Uh, written and drawn by James Romberger, who, as I just alluded, is a professor at uh, the same university that Vince teaches. The Sam Marywood. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, so I read this and then subsequently learned that this the graphic novel is an expansion of a one-shot that he did to some acclaim a few years ago. Uh, and that makes some sense given the format of the, of the graphic novel. Effectively, it's it's a stunning cover. It's it's a, a, a blue and white cover, and it's 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 a a young man in a small boat, wooden rowboat, amidst a large sea with a large sky black backdrop. And post York takes up most of the most of the space. It's a, a really well designed cover, uh, and it's a relatively simple story. There's a, a young man. He's a loner. He's got a cat that he chills with, but other than that, he pretty much keeps himself living in a post-apocalyptic New York City where the polar ice caps have melted some time ago, and so most things are submerged, and he's living his life, doing what he's doing, and the book is, uh, it's in essence like a what-if in the sense that it's the same day, but three different versions of the day. So you read the story... Then you turn the page and it says, or, and then you read it again, and then you turn the page and it says, or, and you read it again. And the thing I'll give Romberger credit for is that it's not like a butterfly effect thing where, like, one little decision changes things a bit. The way that the day unfolds over the three different versions is just diametrically different. I mean, one is, the first one is generally uh, a, a relatively upbeat story that, involves um budding friendship or even romance uh it's it's kind of trite and quaint which is an odd which is odd juxtaposed against the setting of this post-apocalyptic world where they're scrounging every day to find food to survive Um, then the second story takes a much darker turn where the same two people meet under the same circumstance, but it goes, it ends in a much different way. And that leads to a lot of dominoes falling in a much sadder way. And then the third is like a completely different worldview where we're introduced to the gendarme or the, the, the point one percenters in this world who are living on a yacht and a partying on an oil barge, seemingly not lacking for resource while all these other people are just fighting for scraps um, so I was I was intrigued by the way they did it, and now that I know that it was a one shot, what I'm guessing, and I could be wrong here, but but what I'm guessing is the one shot was one of these three versions, and then he decided to expand it by giving us two alter- alternatives. Um, it's well executed. Romberger's art's relatively straightforward, pretty simple, realistic looking line. Uh, I don't think he he breaks new ground much visually. But uh, but I dug it. You know, I'm a mark for post-apocalyptic stuff. And hey, if you need any other reason to know why I liked it, at least know that uh, a blue whale is sent is is integral <laughs> to all three versions of the of the day. <laughs> so, you know, anyone that's going to draw a, a whale for me on multiple pages of a graphic novel, uh, you're gonna you're gonna get my thumb up. So so yeah, check it out. It's uh it's a quick read. Um and. Uh, yeah, it's it's relatively surface. I don't think you're you don't have to dig deep to get where he's coming from. And then he does, in case you didn't get where he was coming from, he does spend a few pages at the end, uh, getting on his uh, pulpit a bit, talking about 
the climate crisis that we're in and how we don't take it seriously enough. And, and that uh, he wrote this book basically for his son. His son, his real-life son, is is the protagonist in the book, as it turns out, uh, or a version of him. And uh, he, he, made, he says he made the book uh, to as an apology to his son and his son's generation for the ecological mess that we're leaving them. So, um, and I believe he's donating the majority, if not all the proceeds to fighting climate change. So it's uh, yeah, there's a lot of goodness involved in this. Cause it's a very karmic book and uh, I definitely am uh, better for having read it. So check it out. Post York. Nice. He's good at what he does. Good to know. Yeah. You guys ever collab? You do a little collab? Oh, yeah, teaching? all the time. Yeah, no, no, yeah. not teaching. No, I wish. You guys like have you go? You like have lunch in like the teachers' lounge together? We, uh, he usually teaches in the masters program, which is in the summer. So, okay. did you yeah. was he your teacher when you took? No, 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 no. I again, I wish, but no. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us one more time around the sun. If you would like to investigate more of what goes on in the 11 o'clock comics world, go to Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook. There's a pretty strong presence on all of those social media outlets. And once again, if you want to see what goes on with this Slack thing that the patrons are all giddy about go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics one one no apostrophe and you will find out uh images of the day video polls books of the month voting things uh the daily integration of everybody on the slack just loving each other it doesn't get messy don't worry about it so uh check it out we love them we love everybody in the meantime i got nothing left to say but singing night, and Lucas is even adding his two cents. Did you hear him? <laughs> David. Oh, right. Short and sweet tonight. Yeah, I don't know. Short and sweet, but it it, it was a thing. It definitely was a thing, right, Jason? It yeah, was a thing. Right? Oh, we yeah, should start singing fine. or tap dancing. Da, 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 da. Oh, Just yeah. to distract them. Tap dancing sweet. David. See, a little stopwatch. A little. It's not. There's no stopwatch. No, it, there is. It's not little. It, it's probably nuclear powered because. It's like the Flavor Flav thing hanging on his neck. Exactly. Well, oh, yeah. Fuck. You know, it's hardwired right into the back of his neck. <laughs> and he just feels it. He goes, oh, I must say. Oh, like, lo- like, like, like Lobot? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your Johnny Mnemonic. That's it for that one. <laughs>